Welcome to the Indie Media Weekly Holiday Cooking Spectacular 2! That's right, we did one of these last year. It was kind of Thanksgiving-themed. But this year, we're going to tackle the holiest of holy days. Christmas! Of course, some of us here are not necessarily uh, the most devout uh, followers of the traditions of Christianity. But Christmas is so damn fun, how can you not want to have a a wonderful, traditional, fun spread? uh, Festive with family around and uh, and stuffing your faces full of fine, fine homemade cuisine. And this year, our roundtable consists of the one and only Janet Lee making her triumphant return, of course, from Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, and uh, also host of Southern Progressive Revival uh, every Sunday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. Yes, hello. I'm so glad to be back. You you have the most seniority, aside from me, uh, from for doing these shows. <laughs> All two years in a row. Uh, there you go. And, of course, somebody who felt a little left out last year, and I feel pretty bad about this, but uh, the one and only King of Montana, John Arthur Kendall, uh, from Mike Check Radio, uh, you can hear him every Saturday, seven to ten p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. Welcome, John, uh, and I didn't forget you this time. Woo! Thanks, Kenny. I my uh, you have redeemed yourself a bit in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and also joining us uh, is somebody who sent me some of the most delicious Christmas cookies I have ever gotten in my entire life. The one and only Rogue DM, Michelle Lagon from Port St. Lucie, Florida, uh, also heard on Mike Check Radio every Saturday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern with her her lovely and talented husband, Miles. Uh, Michelle, welcome to your first ever holiday cooking show here on Indie Media Weekly. And thank you for having me. Yes, I'm about I'm stocking up now and getting ready to bake more this year. There will be many boxes going out. Oh my goodness. Well, you don't have to send me cookies again because you were way too generous to me last year, but if you do, those uh you know which ones I like the best, right? And you mentioned it the other day. <laughs> yeah, the uh, molasses crinkle cookies. Oh my god. <laughs> I generally don't like the uh, molasses cookies, but those were incredible. And I'm sure we're going to hear more about desserts uh, as, as the show rolls along. But we basically want to break this down into uh, four segments. And the first segment is going to be all about main dishes. And you'll be surprised what the other ones are. But you'll probably be able to figure out what we're going to talk about as we go. So main dishes. Uh, this year I am undecided, but I'll talk about uh, things that I've done in the past and something I'm looking forward to trying to do this year. Um, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll let Janet start off because, Janet, you... Uh, when it comes to main dishes, emphasis yeah. on the plural of dishes. <laughs> yeah. We have a Scandinavian tradition, and it's been that way since I was a little kid, so it's not Christmas without seven different types of fish. So, and you're not really supposed to use uh, shellfish, mm-hmm. but I count them because fish gets kind of expensive. And I don't live next to an ocean or anything like that. Sure. So fish down here is kind of expensive. Now, could you just so, open a can of sardines and count that? I wouldn't because I'm I don't kidding. Think are <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really like sardines. No. <laughs> Uh, or anchovies that makes my stomach flip oh Ugh. yeah but now janet the tradition is it, it, it's one fish to represent the seven seas right is that what it is yes yes one fish for each of the seven seas 
and they believe that all life is comes from the ocean and all life can be sustained by the ocean darwin baby yeah and you know those (laughs) scandinavians they were running all over hell conquering so they got their food out of the ocean that's true yeah so so. now i i absolutely love this tradition and uh i've actually been eating more fish of late because i don't seem to be having the issues with the gout as much uh anymore so uh I'm still good. I don't eat too much fish or too much red meat. But, you know, for special occasions, I, I would absolutely adore trying one of each of seven of your fishes. But I have to say, if if I could only eat one of your mm. seven fishes on Christmas Day, I'll, I'll say, okay, maybe two or three. <laughs> if I could, All right. but, but what would be the top pick for, for it? And tell us how, how you prepare it and everything. Tell, tell me which, why, and how. All right. If you're going to only pick, say, two, I would go with my salmon patties, and I would go with what I consider or substitute for lutefisk, because lutefisk is really expensive, and I did not order it this year, which I should have. It's really time-consuming. It's really time-consuming, too, right? Very time-consuming. And um, I've you know had a lot of things going on, so I thought I'm going to go... Easy, easy mm-hmm. peasy. So I substitute a really nice chunk of white cod, Ooh. and yeah. So I get that, and it. I don't. I make sure that I get it just right before I'm going to cook it, a day or two ahead of time, because otherwise it gets kind of rubbery. Mm-hmm. And what I do is get heavy duty foil, and then you take. Um, I use unsalted butter, but you can use whatever you want. And you wouldn't even have to use butter. Mm -hmm. You could put um, lemon. My kids like lemon really well. And then I slice up up, uh, some onions, and we'll put some onion in there and cracked pepper. Um, I don't quite blacken it, but, you know, you get your spices in there. Sure. And then you do uh, 10 minutes on each side. You're going to flip your fish and then take it out. Don't let it sit in there Oh no! any longer than that because you're going to have rubber, rubber made. Woo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then for the sauces, uh, because we're pretending this is lutefisk, uh, I still go ahead and make my sauces, which mm-hmm. I love. I have a white sauce that everybody but me eats pretty much, and um, I like mustard sauce, so... On the Ooh. white sauce, I keep out some to myself, and I add <clears throat> wet mustard, and you've got to have dry mustard, wet mustard, mustard seeds, and I like mine really mustardy. So I, all year long, I kind of look for different tasting mu- mustard that's going to go well with the fish. I like the tang and the non-tang taste. Now, you see, this is, to me, this is kind of like, you know, putting lemon on fish, but like kicking it up, you know, a few degrees. Because I love, I love a good, like, you know, squirting lemon all over a fish, but a nice mustard sauce, I have to think that that would be, that would be amazing. Uh, Especially, now you could get really experimental too, and maybe even try like a, a I've seen cranberry mustard and stuff like that. That might be fun. Oh, I think so, too. That would be good. And you could even use that with your salmon patties. 
you know, mm-hmm. the cranberry mustard or your cranberry, um, you know, whatever. I, I kind of keep, and, and I probably shouldn't, but I guess it's kind of a leftover from when I was a kid and the loot fisk was such a big thing to the family, you know, that yeah. uh, I kind of keep it pretty much grandma's recipe, the way I was taught. But um, other than the fish, I've, I've given up and have been doing the cod. I think you but need next- to you need to pass that along to somebody else for next year. The lutz fish. I'm sorry, I can't I can't say it right. Loot <laughs> fisk. Loot fish fisk. Yes, I'll get fisk. it. Fisk, yes. <laughs> Maybe I have to eat it first to be able to pronounce it right. Oh, it is so good though. <laughs> and I then bet my it kids is. are like. My kids are like, why are you ruining cod with putting that mustard sauce on it? And I oh, say, you no. got to pretend that this is lutefisk. Mom, it's not. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> lemons. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? But now, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen a couple interesting techniques lately. Uh, I, I think I want to try and poach. I forget what kind of fish it was, but I saw somebody poach uh, some uh, a white kind of fish in milk mm-hmm. that I would like to try sometime. Oh, and then... And then I saw like uh, this uh, on a cooking contest show. There was a family from Wales who did a salt encrusted like whole fish was stuffed with lemons and herbs. They basically cut open the belly, put the lemons and herbs in it, and then mix egg whites in a ton of salt together and basically cemented salt all around this fish and baked it that way. And it looked amazing. Oh, wow. So uh, I'll I'll see if I can find a video for that and send it your way. But I'm sorry, John. I think you you were going to chime in there for a second. Um, On the the, uh, topic of mustard sauce, uh, when I was younger, uh, my mother would um, put Polak um, Mm. in the oven and put mustard sauce on it. And I wasn't a fan of it when I was younger. But now, you know, whenever... uh, I can, you know, I'd like, you know, I'd like to learn what, how she did it because Mm -hmm. I think, you know, as I get older, I appreciate mustard more. Well, I, Pollock's a a pretty good fish too. So that, you know, that would be interesting. Well, Janet, I, I I wish you the best of luck with your, your, uh, seven, seven seas menu this year. Uh, Thank you. And, uh, one of these days I will, I will, uh, I I can't say I'll do loot fisk. But uh, I, I might uh, have to bother you for uh, at least your salmon patties recipe for sure, because uh, that cool. sounds delicious. Uh, so, all right, Michelle, your first go around on uh, our, our second annual holiday cooking show. Uh, I, I want to pick your brain. Uh, what, what's a what is a main dish or a couple main dishes that are your staples uh, around Christmas time? Well, we only do one big holiday feast, and that's usually just before Thanksgiving, and the rest of the year, we just kind of do, like, cheese plates and sausage plates and stuff like that. I so like that. My, yeah, mm-hmm. my, yeah, my big go-to thing is the turkey, you know. And I do it in a little bit of a different way than a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't deep fry it, you know. Um, I don't That's smoke it. That's just dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I take, I take the standard brining procedure, and I put a little twist on it when I'm cooking it. Okay. So, you know, you brine the turkey overnight in vegetable stock, kosher salt, brown sugar, allspice, you know, ginger, and black peppercorns, and you just let it brine overnight, you know, ice cold water, 
Mm-hmm. Just to make sure the brine is cold. You don't want warm brine. You have to make sure it's ice cold before you put your turkey in. Yeah. And then the next morning, I take it out, rinse it off, cover the turkey in canola oil, and then sit it in the uh, uh, turkey pan underneath the, the uh, burner in the oven for 30 minutes at 500. What this does is it gives the skin that beautiful golden brown color. Okay. Mm. And then you take it out, and then you um you you actually before you take it out you, you I mean before you put it in I'm oh, sorry I forgot you put in you put in some apples, um uh, onions, that you have boiled in water with a cinnamon stick, and then you put uh, it with sage and rosemary. You stuff the cavities with it, then you brown it for thirty minutes. You take it out, and what I do is I melt a stick of butter. I put a cup of white wine Zinfandel. I put one or two cups of chicken broth all in a big glass container, and I'm and then I put in about a half a cup of Lee and Perrin's chicken marinade, and I mix it all together so I got this nice, aromatic, delicious liquid, and I pour that over the top of the turkey. Then I cover the turkey with foil after putting the thermometer in the thickest part of the meat. I have mm-hmm. an electric thermometer. And I cover it in foil, make sure the foil is sealed tight. And then I put that in the oven, you know, at 350 and let it cook. Wow. Now, what this does is it not only, you know, seals all the heat in there, but the liquid acts as a sort of a steam. So it almost self-bastes and it keeps it really, really moist. And I can cook... 20-pound turkey and get it to 165, 170 internally within almost two and a half hours. Wow. Because the steaming inside increases the heat. Wow. Yeah, I, 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 that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I have never used that much liquid. Um, oh, I do. I don't, I, don't have <laughs> a very, I don't have a very deep roasting pan, so I always get scared. But that sounds yeah. really impressive. I mean, how long have you been perfecting this? Um, I've been doing it for almost tw- uh, twenty years now, since so Miles and I were married. W- uh, when was the uh, the point where you're like, okay, it's good. I don't think I have to modify this recipe anymore, or do you change it a little um, bit still every year? I ha- I haven't changed it since, but I would guess about eight years ago. Nice. Is when I got it just right. And what's nice is all that juice that's in the pan afterwards, oh, I yeah. strain it out. I put it in a pan. I add a little roux. And it makes, uh, oh, my, uh, oh, so tasty gravy. To I go with bet. That all that flavor going in there, all the, from the, uh-huh. the fruit, the onion, the spices, the butter. Holy crap. Uh-huh, and the wine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my, yeah, the wine. Beautiful. And yeah. the meat. You, you know how a lot of people like dark meat because it's really moist? Mm-hmm. Well, the white meat is almost as moist as the dark meat because it's That's not fantastic. losing all of its moisture like it normally does. That is utterly fantastic. That that sounds delicious. Um, and so, uh, 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 yeah, because you know, I'm I'm still I'm still not there yet. Uh, I still tweak my turkey recipes every year. I always try something a little different. But I've got a couple. I'll I'll talk about those in a little bit. But uh, but yeah, that that sounds incredible. And it, so, resting time. Do you go with 
just about as long resting time as you do baking time? Oh, no, 10 minutes. Oh, really? Because it's so juicy, it doesn't lose anything when, when, you're, when you're cutting it up. I mean, you lose a little juice, but the meat doesn't taste like it. Doesn't dry out? No. No. Nice. We're, we're, still, we're still eating pieces now in sandwiches, and it's <laughs> almost as moist as when we cut it on Saturday. That's great. And uh, a fun little trick I, I learned for reheating turkey, if you really want it good for a sandwich, is put a little bit of stock, a little bit of butter in a saucepan, and reheat it on a low heat. Um, and then yeah, I'm, I'm a barbarian. I like mine cold. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all right. So uh, th- now that 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 is incredible. So the, the yeah, eight years uh, in what what so what twelve years in the making, eight years of perfection. Yeah. Yeah. Once I learned the brining technique from mm-hmm. Alton Brown, I said this is great. And then I just you know tweak the you know the addition to the soft span. Mm-hmm. You know I started off basting it regularly, and then I cut down the basting time. I added more liquid, and once I found out the right amount of liquid that I didn't need to baste it, I was like, this works perfect. Nice. Well, I'll talk about my turkey uh, turkey experiences in a little bit. I've never done brining. I, I I admire anybody who can. I just think it's it, it, for me. It's just it's just not for me. But I would gladly eat a turkey somebody had brined. <laughs> so uh, the next trip to Florida, I'll come I'll come have leftovers. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll, we'll have we'll have to make turkey then. <laughs> excellent, uh, John. Uh, on to you, my friend. My uh, again, my my forgotten brother from last year. Uh, what, what, what are you looking at for, um, what's one of your favorite mains that you've done or a main you're looking forward to take your pick? Um, I'm actually, uh, waiting for a main, uh, before Christmas. Uh, it's been family tradition. Um, back when I can remember, uh, my grandmother used to make, uh, oyster stew, uh, the night before Christmas and, it's just like, uh, it's just like uh, milk and butter and salt and oysters. Uh, you throw it in and uh, you know bring it to a boil and then uh, put it down on simmer. You know, stirring it occasionally and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then um, after it's done, uh, slam a cow in a bowl with some oyster crackers. Oh, fantastic! And then. Um, for well, then that leads up to like um, the uh, stuffing for. I know you said uh, <laughs> main dishes, but heck off, no. Oh, like, that's um, all right. Sometimes uh, some people stuffing is a main dish, especially for a vegetarian. Like that. Um. Like then, my mother and uh, passed down from my uh, dad's mom. Uh, you take like the leftover. Um, oyster stew and put it in the stuffing and mm-hmm. make oyster stuffing. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's just fantastic. I'm thinking all this in, in Janet's crab ca- or, uh, I'm sorry, salmon patties with those. That's, that's, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I like that. So, and, and <laughs> yeah, a big and slab of Michelle's turkey as well. You know, like I said, it's, it was passed down from like, um, my grandmother, um, my dad's mother to um my mother and uh hopefully um you know passed on to me um you know so we can kind of keep the 
tradition going. It's yeah, listen, you know, it's it's more of a tradition, you know, passed down through like the uh, Kendall roots. Um, I know that uh, we when we used to have Christmas down at uh, my mom's mom, uh, we used to take our uh, oyster stuffing or oyster stew down there and she mm-hmm. would make the oyster stuffing so yeah that sounds great now uh, i know you you've done some haven't you done some roasts or something in, in your crock pot too um yeah but they weren't they weren't a uh, holiday uh they weren't holiday um they weren't holiday centered sorry okay. there's a cat Is on that, me no that's okay <laughs> i i was thinking deer like venison, oh, venison. do you ever yeah. do that? Yeah. Um, we, I, I, I actually, and I fail as a Montanan for this, I actually haven't used uh, venison in my uh, crock pot yet like a roast. I've used uh, deer burger for uh, chili, which I did last month. Um, nice. I, let's see, my crock pot is like my best friend in the kitchen now. Like, oh. you know, <laughs> I can, you know, I I can do the meal prep like before, um, like the night before, and then go throw it in the crock pot, and I'll look at my watch, and it'll be like, oh hey, it's back to bed o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have uh, I have done a uh, leg of lamb in it before. Oh. I uh, I uh, deboned the leg, and it was a whole leg, so. I deboned it. I uh, threw some of my uh, custom barbecue rub on it and uh, made like pulled pork or not pulled pork, like pulled lamb tacos. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that um, sounds good. It, it turned out really great. Um, the, the only like downside is it left like an oily uh, texture on your tongue. So. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know if there if uh, there was a way to cut it down. I mean, I probably could have trimmed the fat, but I was, you know, like I said, I just deboned it and threw it in my crock pot for twelve hours. Um, yeah, and I, I think before deboning, if you if you get a real sharp knife and cut off some of that uh, fat on the the outer part, that would probably alleviate the problem. But hey, you know, that's the beautiful thing of crock pots is you know it's a it's a live and learn experience. Yeah, um, and, you know, I'm, I've mostly used it for chili. I used mm-hmm. it uh, last summer with uh, chicken, like, thighs and legs and stuff. I Oh, nice. Um, I marinated it overnight with some soy sauce uh, and a couple other things that escaped me right now. And I uh, threw it in the crock pot and... Uh, like six hours later, it came out pretty good. Uh, fall off the bone, you know, fantastic. Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I've I've been known to throw. Actually, I put a whole turkey in my crock pot one time. Uh, <laughs> I oh wow! A, yeah, I, I it took a little bit of rigging uh, on my part because it was just a little too big to fit in without, and the lid wouldn't go down. So I was like, all right, put the lid on top wrap it in foil <laughs> and drape a bunch of kitchen towels over it and uh and i did it uh but yeah but yeah and of course if it wasn't for my crock pot i would never would have won 
the uh, uh, Granger Danger 2017 uh, annual chili cook-off with my venison sweet corn chili that I can't oh, quit talking nice. about. Um, <laughs> got the Golden yeah, I- Toilet Award, everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine's so, actually going right now with turkey bones. So there you I'm, go. I'm rendering down all that leftover meat and turkey, you know, and turkey I, bones into yeah, ice I stock. have. I have my stock. I just went and bought Ziploc containers for it because I got to separate. I got to skim the fat off of it and then get yep. it in smaller containers and stick it in the fridge. Um, and we did make I made a really good turkey rice soup the other day. Of course, now it's just turkey rice because the rice soaked up all the, that wonderful liquid. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so for Maine's, uh, you know, the reason I asked about the crock pot is um, because uh, one year I did a pork tenderloin with fruit. And I, I am, mm. it's killing me what kind of fruit I used in it. I know, I, I think it might have been cranberries. I don't remember. Um, but I know I did um, some kind of fruit. <laughs> Maybe it was apples. Maybe it was apples, apples. and cranberries. I, primarily, I think uh, I did like, apples, cranberries, and wine and some brown sugar is, I, I think, what I used. And, of course, uh, like allspice and stuff like that. But, uh, but John, what were you going to say? I was gonna say it could it could have been apples could have been involved because I know a lot a lot of times they uh, serve pork chops with applesauce. Yeah, uh, pork chops and applesauce. <laughs> Sorry, Brady Bunch episode, kids. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm fairly certain it was. I think it was apples and cranberries is what I did, and of course, you know, uh, you know, some probably white wine since it's pork and. Um, brown sugar and uh clove probably went in there uh all the 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 fun holiday seasonings um i I made that one year for me susan and dad and as i recall i think it was pretty damn good um and i think i did a beef roast one year for for christmas in the crock pot and i did a nice thick gravy with it um and i think i served like beets and brussels sprouts and mashed potatoes um with that so i I like i like a really uh, i do like a a a nice roast around christmas um i we've done the honey baked ham we've gone and you know bought the the spiral cut one from the store the the 50 dollar ham or whatever you know um but a buddy of mine um a vendor where i work came in and he said last year i kind of accidentally stumbled upon the best glaze in the world for a ham um, he, he said that a friend of his or his girlfriend or somebody, I don't remember who, they had one of those little bullet things. And apparently they just mixed in a bunch of blueberries and brown sugar and butter Ooh. and made a ham glaze with that. And I and he said that, and I was like, I think I want to try that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's, it's either that that I'm doing for, for Christmas or around Christmas because we're, we're going to be spread a little thin um, uh, for for family stuff. and I want, But I want to make a, at least a small dinner, if it the, only the very least for me and Sue's or maybe a couple friends or if Dad comes up, I don't know. Um, I want to do that or I think I might finally take a crack at it and make Beef Wellington on my own. My mom has made beef Wellington for Christmas before. I've begged her to make it um, again. Um, she hasn't. <laughs> uh, 
she made it one year in uh you guys probably know my my buddy mort um uh you know from kill the hippies and everything uh who's who's uh, a, a, a constant presence in my life my best friend for many 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 years um and um uh, he had my mom's beef wellington uh back when he ate meat <laughs> and he always talks about it you know not always but you know it's one of those things where if i bring it up he'll be like, oh my god that was good because she did the the real um you know the goose liver pate on it uh which i know sounds disgusting but yeah it, it, it's it's delicious on the i think they call it foie gras or whatever um goose liver pate um, I think uh, you probably, I'm, I'm assuming she seared it, you know, maybe rolled it in flour, seared it, and then put the uh, foie gras on it, and then wrapped it in the puff pastry, and then baked it. But um, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, and you guys probably know this, is of Gordon Ramsay, and I've seen the small um, Wellingtons, like the individual portion Wellingtons. I think I would rather try and do that than one entire roast. You know, try and you know go to a butcher and have them cut it down, or figure out what they use for that. I don't know if it's tender. You know, um, is that a tenderloin roast? I don't know. I I I, I assume it's something like that. I'm not sure. Uh, but um, but yeah, I, I would really like to try and do beef Wellington straight up the the right way. Maybe do a mushroom pate instead of the goose liver pate because I've seen it done that way. It looks just as good. But um. Oh, I think they use a must. I think they they put mustard on it too. I think like they do a ground mustard, then the pate or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's usually ah. um, like uh, take the roast and then wrap it in like mustard and I think usually grain mustard, like whole grain yeah, mustard or yeah. something, and then the um, like the mushroom roulade and then uh, puff pastry and in the oven. Yeah, so I might I might try and do this. It, it, it's kind of gonna kind of be up to Susan, I think, at this point, to see what she really wants, um, and and go from there. So that's that's what I'm looking at. Um, uh, and of course, uh, I talked. If you want to hear about my turkeys, you can go and listen to the special from last year. It's on SoundCloud. And if anybody has any questions or um, want to share your stories too, I'll make a post over on the. Uh, uh, Indie Media Weekly page when this podcast is up and running, and of course the Turnips page uh, for uh, fans of Turnip the Night with Kenny Pick. And if you want to share your own stories or ask questions and get recipes from anybody, um, uh, we will. I'll point you in the right direction and get you a response. I'll say, "Hey, Michelle, give us all forty-seven steps for your turkey." So. <laughs> Uh, that might be a conservative number, 47 steps. Because I think you laid out about 60. <laughs> I'm just teasing. There's a lot of ingredients, but yeah. not a oh, lot of Oh, I know. I mean, because I kept, you know, I, I went through my list last year, and, and everybody's like, okay, no, wait, what what again? You know, because uh, <laughs> I, I had quite a, an extensive uh, laundry list. So, um, all right, well, are you guys good? We're, we'll take a break and move on to sides when we come back. Sure. Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back with the second annual Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> the second annual holiday. <laughs> you can tell what my favorite holiday is. Second annual holiday cooking special here on Indie Media Weekly with Janet 
John and Michelle right after this. KBD Word from Southern Progressive Revival, and I would like to say happy holidays from all of us at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Yeehaw! Sunday, 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 come on down to Southern Progressive Revival to hear the best and worst of Southern politics once again. We've got all brand new 2016 episodes for the low, low price of 100% free and tons of extras, including guests, rants, and flustered hosts and co-hosts. Think your credit ain't good enough? We don't care. Think you don't have nothing to hear since you ain't from the South? Well, that ain't right. You reckon that Yankee pick feller's got more class than us? Well, that might be true. But let's do this. Come listen to Southern Progressive Revival live every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Indie Media Weekly, Extraterrestrial Radio, all the power without the tower. Come now and we'll throw in a free pine tree air freshener. Wow. You are listening to Indie Media Weekly. I am Michelle Lagan, co-host and Dungeon Master of Mike Check Radio. And I am Miles Lagan, co-host and Galaxy Master of Mike Check Radio. You know, a Galaxy Master is just a glorified Dungeon Master, except for you played the laser swords. That they're called lightsabers? Anyways, tune in every Saturday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern to hear host Adam Hebert and us discuss politics and nerd stuff. Indie Media Weekly. All the power without the tower. This is Adam Hebert of Mike Check Radio, and you're listening to Indie Media Weekly Radio. From our few years, have a very happy holidays, and remember, in snowball fights, do not put rocks in your snowballs. That's an important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. Welcome back to the second annual Holiday Food Spectacular, Cooking Spectacular, whatever the hell you want to call it. I don't even know, um, because I'll I'll have an official name when I have a jingle made for this program, uh, which I'll uh, leave a blank spot, and I'll insert the official name here. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Get you something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere? Leave you for dead? That's the name, everybody. Uh, If I forget to insert it, uh, never mind. You'll hear it at the beginning of the hour. But uh, anyway, welcome back uh, for, to, for our talk about sides. Of course, I'm joined 
with uh, uh, by Janet Lee, uh, Michelle, and John tonight, and uh, or or this afternoon or morning. I don't know. This is a pop pre-taped show, so people of the future, whenever you're listening, it's your time. It's your time, and it's also time to talk about side dishes. John Arthur Kendall, King of Montana. Um, uh, Christmas time. There's everybody has a different tradition. Everybody has that one side dish that's a go-to or that they love to make. Uh, let's hear uh, about a couple of yours right now. Um, well, in the first uh, segment, the main dish, you heard about the oyster stuffing, which is primarily a staple around Christmas time. Uh, another one is the uh, green bean casserole. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, mm. that's a favorite of my sister's. Um, and I've, I've kind of got my mom hooked on, uh, um, crock pot cooking. So, you know, I'll tell her it's like, you know, just mix your mushroom soup and your green beans together in the crock pot. You know, you can put it on low for like two hours and, you know, when, uh, you feel like it, you can put the, uh, fried onions on top and, you know, it's all ready to go, all from the crock pot. Fantastic. Um, now, I have to ask a question. French cut or just cut green beans? I We do a mixture, actually. Cause I, like, I like the French cut because I think I, it, I like it, French. it even, evens out the consistency and the flavor a little bit. But I can, I can respect a mixture. Yeah, yeah, like, um, you know... That's from what I can remember. We do like a mixture, um, you know, and um, the crock pot actually, you know, it helps kind of, you know, break stuff down a bit, but mm -hmm. not too much. Um, I'm I'm always a stickler for uh, mashed potatoes. The uh, uh, the whole potatoes, like. There, there have been years that we've gotten by with flakes, which is a sin, <laughs> in oh, my I, opinion. I will admit, I keep them around for just my own personal consumption, because uh, I like to, you know, maybe, maybe make a frozen pot pie and instant mashed potatoes. But no, I would not serve them for a holiday meal. I might use them to thicken if I screw up my mashed potatoes. Yeah. They're good to thicken. You know, mm -hmm. so that, that that's a good good trick. But uh, real quick, before you continue on with the mashed potatoes, I want to make a comment about your green bean casserole in the crock pot. I got to think mm -hmm. that 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 probably you know I was a little worried thinking about the crispy crispiness because I do like the crispiness. But you know, mm -hmm. even if you got it started in there, I, I mean, I really think that that's a good idea in the crock pot because it's really going to even out the flavors in there because it's such a slow cook. And then what you could do is you could just do a high, take it out, scoop it out, put it in a in a baking dish, put your cr crunchy topping on there, whether it's you know the onions, panko. You know, some people use potato chips or cracker crumbs, whatever, um, and, you know, do a nice, quick, crunchy, you know, topping bake on that. Yeah, that, uh, you know, the, but I, I like that um, that idea to really sm smooth out the flavors in the crock pot. That's a good idea. But back to your mashed potatoes. Um, and see, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of, like, warm, sweet potatoes. Like, uh, every year, you know, we do the... Um, the typical, like, oh, hey, you know, sweet potatoes, a couple, 
pats of butter and like mm-hmm. marshmallows on top. But I'm uh, around the holidays. Like I will go for the white potatoes first, and then yeah. like um, you know the next day, cold sweet potatoes. That's my jam. See, now I always like to mix butternut squash with my uh, sweet potatoes when I make them. What I do is I put butter, brown sugar, and Coca-Cola in a in like a loaf dish and bake mm. them that way whole. And if you want, you can mash them when you're done. But, um, you know, I, I that, that's my grandma's recipe that I go for. But cold, you like them cold the next day, huh? Yeah, like, you know, I can just... Uh, um, I can just... You know, go to the fridge and like, oh, hey, you know, just pick one up and eat it and, you know, go on my way. Yeah, and if you do the mashed ones with the with the marshmallow and if you put enough seasoning and sugar in them and stuff, it's probably almost like eating a nice slice of cold sweet potato pie, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've only had, like, sweet potato pie once. It's, from- it, it's magical. If you have it done right. It's better than pumpkin pie. Yeah. And see, I'm I'm trying to think of any, like any other like customary side, but you know the rest are like you know olives from a can, and um, <laughs> well, you know every now and then we'll have like a vegetable tray or some other mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I'm you know if you think of others, you you can definitely uh, chime in uh, as we roll along because I mean sides are, you know, you know, uh, I almost look forward to sides more than the main dishes sometimes, Janet. Um, and I, I know uh, now you do you do the seven you do the seven C's at Christmas, right? But mm-hmm. uh, d- didn't you say that you rely on your family to take care of most of the sides? No. I no? rely on well some they some of them you know it depends they'll bring some but they bring dessert cuz oh, okay. after I've done all this other stuff I don't have mm-hmm. time for it. Yeah. And there's yeah, oh, no of course. <laughs> there's no room and whatever, you know. But you have to build um, an addition onto the house just for the desserts. So <laughs> Exactly, cuz you got you know herring and all kinds of different stuff mm-hmm. and because you eat we're eating fish, and sometimes that can be kind of bland, depending on what kind of fish it is that you're eating at that time. Yeah. Um, I like to do sweet potatoes. I, I do mash them up somewhat, and then I put cranberries in there, oh and my. I put some uh, cut-up apples that are real small, Ooh. and then I put in, like, for the topper... You know, you put a little bit of, of, of uh, nuts in there, like walnuts, and you could put other nuts. I just happen to use walnuts. Pecans. All the time. Yeah, you could do that. I love And pecans. then stir that in, and then I put a layer of, of uh, the cooked cranberries on top and mm-hmm. the nuts, and then I put it in the oven and bake it so that it comes out like a side dish as opposed to just sweet potatoes yeah now but i like oh go ahead because of the cranberries i like Mm -hmm. the cranberry taste with the because it's kind of tart and so then you have your fish and some of that fish like the cod can be kind of um bland Mm -hmm. if you don't use a lot of um 
stuff on it or mustard sauce. And if you don't like mustard sauce, then you've got the cranberry tart from the sweet potato. Wow, I've never ever had cranberries in sweet potatoes. It sound it within the apples too. That really that really to me sounds like you're you know, you're really making the most of seasonal flavors all together in there. That sounds really great. Um, you know, cuz I I tastes good. I, I can't say that I like cooked apples on their own that much, and I really don't like cran. You know, I don't like whole cranberry cranberry sauce as much. Uh, I like cranberries really cooked down, or yes, ocean spray. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I like the jiggly stuff out of the can. I'm fine with that. Uh, but uh, you know, with those two combined with sweet potatoes, that sounds that sounds magical. I'm going to steal that. I'm telling you right now, I'm stealing that. What kind of apples, Granny Smith? Yeah. Um, no, actually, I use the Fiji. Fiji? Okay. Uh-huh. Nice. And some people use the yellow uh, apples, but I don't think they have enough taste. Okay. And so, um, and I do put a little bit of brown sugar in there, but you don't really need much. And no, I don't use... Yeah, especially if you're adding those apples, that, you, you know, got get that apples, natural sweetness. Exactly. And the cranberries. So, yeah. you don't really need it. But um, yeah, that's that's like one of my favorite, and the kids always want the rice salad because we do the mashed potatoes too. But rice salad, tell us a little bit about this. This is is it kind of like a couscous kind of thing or something like that? No, this is white rice, which yeah, I'm not supposed to be eating that, but I do at Christmas. And <clears throat> you cook it up, then you put in like a half a tub of Miracle Whip. And then put in um, drained pineapple. You can put in grapes. You can put in apples. I use a lot of apples. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost I'll- like a Waldorf salad with rice. Exactly. And it tastes fantastic. And my kids love it. They use that like a dessert. Do you so, use, I mean, I have to do. Do you use nuts in it batch. ever? Or, or is oh, there yeah. any, uh, any other kind of savory stuff in there? Or is it mostly just the sweet stuff in the Miracle Whip? It is mostly sweet stuff because it's fruit. I put a lot yeah. of fruit in there and nuts. That's interesting. So, so, wow, I've never heard of that before. I can't say it sounds like something I would really like, but I'm, I might try it. You know, I mean, I would try it if I, I was somebody else's house. But that, but I, I'll tell you what, though, it's probably wonderful because I've made your uh, recipe or a facsimile of your recipe for potato salad. Um, and that's amazing. Uh, basically Janet told me the best trick in the world is save your pickle juice people, because what you want to do is you want to marinate your potatoes in, you boil your potatoes the night before or, or a couple days before soak them in pickle juice and they could pick up a beautiful color and it's they're already flavored and then you add your mayo and your celery and egg and mustard and all that stuff and uh it's a beautiful potato salad i'll I'll never make potato salad any other way um oh cool you would have been so proud of me janet i saved like five different kinds of pickle juice um you know (laughs) i i I, I saved the dill i saved tony paco's pickles and peppers uh bread and butter pickles you know a couple different kinds of those and uh yeah it was a it was it was pretty magical and and everybody who had it loved it so i can't remember what i made it for it was either it it was 
We went to a Easter? picnic or something. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think her sister tried. I can't remember. Or no, no, no. I made it for the 4th of July party that Susan ah. went to this year. I think that's what it was. So anyway, but yeah, your cold salads are amazing. So uh, I, I would, you know, I, I wouldn't turn my nose up at, at trying out the rice salad. So, um, all right, um, uh, Michelle, let's talk side dishes in, in the Southern Florida. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, um, I, I don't get too fancy other, you know, I, I bake bread, you know, the day before just Ooh, for, nice. you know, to have, have fresh break bread for the whole thing and then well, sandwiches uh, for the rest well, of the week. But tell, tell us a little bit about the bread. What, what kind of bread? Because I mean, there's like literally a, a thousand different kinds of bread you can make. I've always uh, been chicken shit to make bread. I might make soda bread down the road, but, uh, what, what, what kind, how do you, how do you go about making bread? Well, if I'm really, really got the time, I'll make a, it's like basically a white home stone bread, which is basically, you know, your generic white bread, but it's got the, the thicker crust to it. Oh, and I And they're like usually uh, round loaves, you know, round mm-hmm. domed loaves. And yes. You, you cook them on a heated stone in the, uh, in the oven. I use an old terracotta uh, planter bottom that oh. works just fine for, for cooking them. You know, it's kind of like an impromptu pizza stone. I have a pizza stone too, but I had one. I yeah, broke that, it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just a simple thing. And but the the only real heavy duty thing I make as a side is the stuffing mm-hmm. for my turkey. Well, let's and talk. Let's talk that, about stuffing because we have yeah. no idea okay. we about what your stuffing is, and I cannot wait. Okay, um, I I can I I I I usually keep several pieces of French bread in the fridge that have, you know, gotten old enough that I really don't want to use them right, you know, right away, but they're good enough for like using for filling or thickening a soup or something. Sure. And then I get herbed seasoned cubed stuffing cubes, you know, usually like a Pepperidge Farms or something, you know, okay. that's fairly rustic. Yeah. I prepare, I prepare the, the Pepperidge Farm stuffing according to its directions leaving out just a little bit of the liquid you know maybe uh-huh. you know an eighth or a quarter of the cup of the liquid out of it so it's a little dryish then in another pan i saute some mushrooms in butter mm. and some 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 uh chicken marinade and then i add a little lower seasoning salt to flavor it then i add uh, green onions, or people call them scallions. Yeah. I chop those up fine and put them in there, the whole thing, the white and the green. Yeah. So oh, you've got, got a nice... No, no qualms yeah. using the white and the green. And by the way, I couldn't... Uh, I, I will never cut scallions any other way than with kitchen scissors. <laughs> Ever oh, again. Yes. Kitchen scissors, yep. or uh, that's one thing I left off my gadget list for the end of the show, so I'm bringing it up now. Kitchen scissors, folks. Yep. Use them on your scallions. You won't regret it. Go ahead. Yeah, an, a nice pair of sharp kitchen scissors. Um, and uh, just before I'm done cooking all that, once the mushrooms are nice and brown, I add in crab meat. Oh. And the crab meat is flavor. My. And it depends. If lump meat is too if lump meat is too costly, but you like the uh, the semi taste of crab because this is going to pick up other flavors too. You can get the imitation crab and that mm-hmm. works just fine as well. Mm. You, you have to chop you have to chop the imitation crab up a little finer because yeah. lump meat you, you can kind of crumble with your hands. The imitation's a little more 
difficult to work with like that, but a, a sharp knife works real well. Yeah. Then, then I just toss that together just to get the crab meat warm because you don't want to overcook it because then it'll get mushy. And then you combine that and a whole can of cashew halves and pieces in with your regular stuffing. Wow. And you mix it. You mix it together really, really well. Now, the very important part of this is, after your turkey, you don't cook it in the turkey. You leave no. it in the pan. You put it, you know, and you leave it there. And the next day, after your cookie has, I mean, after your turkey has cooked. <laughs> or after your cookie out, is turked. <laughs> yeah. Take out some of the drippings. Oh, get yeah. Get the fat off the top. I was waiting for the this. drippings. Pour the drippings over the stuffing and mix it in well. Mm. You know, just just toss it enough that it coats almost everything because that'll give you the extra moisture you need. If you had too much moisture previously, put some of the cubed uh, old bread, old French bread in there. It'll soak up any extra moisture and then you serve it, you know, after you've reheated it a little. And wow. they just love it. Wow. And you can eat it for a week afterwards too all you have to do is pop it in the oven and you know throw some of the gravy on it if you want and you are set so i, I have to ask um are you when, when you use your crab meat are you uh, will you get fresh local crab meat or the like the Phil, phillips a, out of the can because phillips it's a little tough where i am but yeah. you can get some decent uh tubbed crab meat if you try mm -hmm. yeah because i i will recommend it's a little pricey but Phillips, which is the the big um, uh, Ocean City, Maryland uh, crab restaurant, they actually do sell uh, lump crab meat in a can. And mm -hmm. <laughs> I just Googled it because I couldn't remember the name of Phillips, and I saw it. And I see that um, somebody's selling it for $180.75 a can. That's horseshit. Oh, no. How did they come up with that? No idea. Uh, oh, it's six pounds, so I guess it's a case. That's oh, why. okay. So yeah, so okay. That that's um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think you can probably if you, you can find it, it's refrigerated in a can. In if you have a bigger grocery store in your area, um, in the seafood case, they'll have Phillips canned crab meat, and it comes really nicely packaged. It's not too fishy. I mean, don't buy like Bumblebee or anything like that. That stuff is garbage. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or you know, I mean, honestly, you know, it, it it's probably even cheaper. You could just buy some, um, you know, king crab legs or, or you know, Dungeness crab or something like that, um, and throw that would it. Work too. I, I love, yep. I love that idea. I, I mean, this this is something that I need to tackle because you guys are all talking seafood around Christmas. With mm -hmm. the stuffings and the soups and the fish, uh, you know, the, the seven seas and everything. And I don't really do fish well, around Christmas, and I need to. This is, this, uh, this is missing from my life. Well, it was like John was talking about the oyster stuffing. Mm -hmm. And this was just like a natural, you know, change-up from oyster stuffing for me. And what's nice about the crabs, the, the cashews, it gives it that nice little bite to it, too, which is nice. Yeah. Like like the old uh, chestnuts used to be in chestnut stuffing. Yeah, So I yeah. kind of, you know, cannibalized and made a different combination. Oh, I love the idea of cashews. I might even even try and maybe do pistachios or something like that, too. That would be nice. Um, oh, that's probably good. Since you guys brought up seafood, I, I don't know how I space this, but I usually make a dip side dish 
um, for Christmas, and it's uh, two or sixteen ounces of cream cheese, um, a couple cans of uh, tiny little salad shrimps, mm. and some salsa. You oh, mix my. that bad boy together, and you know, leave it in the bowl or whatever, and then grab oh, yes. like rich crackers or something. Yeah. Oh. Oh, please get in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, uh, Susan's family around Christmas or, or no, no, no. I think that's New Year's. New Year's. They always would get really beautiful. Um, the the best shrimp we could find they could find in Ohio, and you know, just a really lovely shrimp cocktail. And I, I've taken to to making my own uh, shrimp cocktail uh, sauce. Which, uh, you know, I use like lemon juice, Old Bay, um, ketchup, lots of horseradish. Got to have lots of horseradish in there. Um, and I think there's something else. I can't remember what it is. Maybe celery salt or something like that. Um, little onion powder. Uh, yeah. But uh, um, I, I absolutely adore making a, a, a shrimp cocktail, too. So I've done that. If, and I think I've done it around New Year's a few times because... Uh, I think uh, they used to do lot. Did you guys used to do lobster at New Year's? Yeah, lobster. We'd get the live lobster. Lobster and shrimp cocktail, right? Or was shrimp cocktail Christmas? Sorry. Always is an appetizer for New Year's, right? Yeah. All right. So yeah. So so that's their their tradition. But yeah, it never. <clears throat> has, it, none of our neither of our families have done seafood. Around Christmas, but uh, uh, this is so inspirational. What you guys are doing right here, again, this is missing from my life. Um, <laughs> uh, but I love the idea of a good seafood dip. Um, I've done that uh, on occasion. You know, you either use the canned or fresh or whatever uh, to to mix in with sour cream. Or I'm not. I'm sorry, uh, cream cheese, John. Uh, I've also done. Uh, I love doing twists on deviled eggs. Uh, and I've done a seafood deviled egg before, which has like the mini shrimp and, you know, artificial crab meat, you know, basically whatever, whatever was cheap and plentiful that I could get. Uh, you know, I've done like, I've done like bacon ranch, uh, deviled eggs, which are fun. Uh, a, a super, a super pickle one. Oh, I've done a buffalo chicken deviled egg, which is amazing. <laughs> Let me just tell you, um, but uh, oh, I want to go back to your stuffing for uh, a second, Michelle. Do you do uh, do you do uh, other produce? Do you do um, uh, celery and carrots or anything like that in it? Oh no, I don't. Or just put celery the mushrooms and carrots in it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I do fine grated carrots and uh, finely diced uh, 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 um, celery in it, and with with onions. Usually, I'll do shallots uh, for my stuffing because I really love the sweetness of a shallot. Uh, but it, my, my stuffing's not far off from yours, except for, you know, minus the seafood. Um, but you know yeah. what? Next year, damn it, it's happening. Um, or, you know, maybe if I do stuffing for Christmas, I have no idea. Um, but uh, I still got to figure out what, what I'm going to do. Maybe I should do a surf and turf Christmas. You know? <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Hey, that'd so, be cool. Yeah. So uh, uh, I'll, I'll just go real quick on my sides because we're getting towards the end of this segment. We need to roll on to desserts, which is going to be exciting. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I love doing things, you know, all, uh, uh, things I haven't heard mentioned. Uh, Harvard Beets. It's a really simple thing to do. You know, uh, very few ingredients. 
uh, just, you know, you can use little, I, I like to use the small whole beets in a can with, uh, some vinegar, some white sugar, uh, cornstarch, um, for your, for your sauce and everything. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that's something, you know, I don't know if, if anybody here likes beets, but it, I'll tell you what, if you do it right, it pops so beautiful on the plate because a lot of Christmas and Thanksgiving dinners can be very tan. <laughs> so, uh, if, if you pop on the beets, uh, and then, you know, uh, Brussels sprouts are always a big fan favorite, uh, nothing fancy with Brussels sprouts. Um, I, I will just say if anybody doesn't know this trick, um, you cut about a third of the way in, uh, into the stem of each Brussels sprout, you make an X with your knife about a third of the way in. And when you boil them, all the bitterness comes out. So if anybody's had Brussels sprouts and you don't like them cause they're bitter, make them that way. And it's a, it's a game changer with that. Um, yeah, or, I started doing that because you said that and it works. Mm. Yeah, the the bitterness completely goes away. It, it, it tastes more, you know, it's got more of the the sweeter kind of cabbage taste to it uh, when they're done that way. Um, uh, another thing that I like to do, uh, I've done it for uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Susan's family, uh, they do sauerkraut at Thanksgiving, but. I, uh, well, they, they used to, I don't know if they do it anymore. I, I still like to do it. Um, but, um, I like to make the Stephanie Miller sauerkraut. If anybody doesn't know that, if you, you need to listen to the Stephanie Miller show around Thanksgiving, she'll tell you how to make it, but I can tell you how I make it a little bit of a twist on hers. Um, you, you want to make sure you get the sauerkraut in a bag, rinse it real well, uh, get a lot of that, you know, bitterness out of there. Um, and then, uh, saute a fair amount of bacon, uh, make it really crisp and then, uh, take the bacon out of the fat and, uh, I'll throw a little, I'll, I'll, I'll take a little bit of the fat out and, and put a little bit of butter or olive oil in with that. And then you basically stir fry, uh, your mushroom. Uh, you take a, a whole pack of sliced mushrooms or slice them yourself, whatever. Um, saute your mushrooms in there, get them really good and caramelized and then throw in your, make sure it's a big, big skillet and then throw in your, your sauerkraut. And once that's all done and you know, you've gotten it all heated up and everything, then throw your, your, your bacon bits that you, you cooked earlier back in it. Oh, it's magical and have a bite of sauerkraut and mashed potatoes together on a plate. Ooh, that's one mm. of those things. Those two things together because that's that's the way I am with with a lot of sides is for a holiday meal I'm like I'm I cannot wait till I get that bite of turkey with cranberry or I can't wait to right. get that bite of mashed potatoes with sauerkraut or, you know, yes. You know, just th those little things like that. Actually, a bite of anything with mashed potatoes is always good. <laughs> except, yeah. cr except cranberry. I'm not cool with that. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, cranberry mashed potatoes. Keep that on the other side of the plate, damn it. Uh, but, yeah. So, uh, you know, and again, uh, uh, we covered a lot of the sides I like to make. I like to make green bean casserole. I've done the last few years. I've tried to do the green bean casserole cups you can find some pretty easy recipes to do that where you're adding like you know you're mixing you know shredded cheese in with it too and everything to make it even more fatty and you know uh <laughs> uh in decadent um uh, but yeah there, there's a lot of fun little spins on it 
Um, and, uh, and yeah, but I, I think we, we covered it. I gave my sweet potato recipe already. And, um, uh, my, I, I'm not a big fan of but my mom likes to make a cranberry chutney. Uh, again, I don't like whole cranberries that much. I like it if it's cooked down in something, but I don't like the, you know, anything more than a cranberry that's just had the crap cooked out of it. <laughs> you know, I don't want it to resemble yeah. a berry when it, when it touches my lips. Um, so, so yeah, so that's, yeah, but I, did, I think I do the homemade cranberries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got to be cooked down though. I mean, because you know, I uh, mom likes a, likes some likes some a little al dente, and I'm like, no, I can't do it. Susan likes it. I don't. So I'm the ocean spray brat. Uh, so anyway, well, I think we covered our bases pretty good there on sides, everybody. Uh, you know, and again, uh, mashed potatoes uh, all the live long day. I want to be buried alive in mashed potatoes um, one day. That'll be fun. So, uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and hit the break. And when we come back, we're going to start off with some desserts because we have the queen of cookies on the show, Michelle, who's going to lead this next segment. <laughs> Very excited about me blush. that. <laughs> I can attest because I got a humongous care package last year. And again, I am not say- you. you were too kind to me and Susan last year. So if there's somebody else you would like to send cookies to, please do. But, you know, the molasses molasses crackle cookies, you know, if you can throw one or two in an envelope, just send them my way. So. No, no problem. There, there will uh, be plenty of plenty of packages going out. All right. I'll take well, Kenny's giant care package. So. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll be right back with lots more of the 2017 Holiday Food Spectacular on Ending Media Weekly with John, Janet, and Michelle right after this. Hello, young lovers. This is P.S. Mueller from Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, wishing you and yours the happiest of holidays. Call me Pete. Listen to Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern for three hours of news, opinion, and laughs. This is what comedian and talk show host John Fugelsang has to say about Turn Up the Night. You guys really walk a good line of having it be really collegial and really having a, a show that, you know, blends the uh, intelligence with the irreverence, which is the hardest balance to pull off. 
Still not convinced you should listen to Turn Up the Night? Well, listen to what legendary writer, actor, and comedian Rick Overton has to say. I just don't think we can use the mainstream news for much anymore. I'm, I'd much rather go to you than to CNN for anything. You know, I would trust what my friends have to say more. Well, who can argue with that? Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Indie Media Weekly. For those who dare. Hey, this is Brad Friedman from bradblog.com and the Bradcast, heard right here on Indie Media Weekly. Thanks for supporting truly independent media, right here on Indie Media Weekly. This is John Kendall from Mike Check Radio, reminding you and yours to have a very happy holiday season. And Santa, don't forget, Solomon Grundy want pants too. What? Solomon Grundy want pants too! Welcome back to the second annual Indie Media Weekly Holiday Cooking Bonanza. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Get you something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere? Leave you for dead? Or something like that. And of course, I'm being joined uh, tonight uh, for the second year in a row by Janet Lee Bunderson, Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri. Hello. Welcome back. Hello, everybody. And of course, Janet can be heard every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Southern Progressive Revival. Also joining me on the program, uh, who can be heard on Southern Progressive Revival and Mike Check Radio. Um, uh, of course, Mike Check Radio, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, every Saturday here on Indie Media Weekly. Mr. John Arthur Kendall, who, again, he was our lost boy last year. But we found him, and he is here to impart his culinary knowledge on all of us. <laughs> Cook Stravaganza 2017. There you go. Cook Stravaganza 2017. There's the name. <laughs> And uh, last but most certainly not least, the queen of cookies, uh, Michelle Lagon, oh, no. Port, Port St. Lucie, Florida. Uh, I, I got to say, uh, of course, uh, you can be also heard on uh, Mike Check Radio with uh, your uh, 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 your hubby, Miles, every Saturday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Indie Media Weekly. Uh, not only are you a, a wildly talented uh, rogue DM miniature painter and uh, a, a turkey maker holy god that turkey recipe sounds incredible but i can attest firsthand that i got your christmas cookies probably i think there was 11 billion varieties in the box you sent me last year or maybe more like eight or nine i can't remember but it was a lot it was a lot of cookies and um uh, i had to buy new pants uh, <laughs> but but no you you really go all out with the christmas cookies and uh, you're very generous and very very uh, good it, it and obviously you're generous because you want to say hey look what i can do no no i'm not saying you're looking for credit <laughs> but you know what you do uh, you, you do a great job on christmas cookies and you're very generous and that is that is a very admirable quality uh, and i i just uh I don't know where to begin. I just want to just pick your brain uh, uh, over cookies right now. So uh, how long have you been doing this? 
Um, I have been baking um, most of my life. When I was a young kid, I would experiment with baking. You know, I'd pull out my mother's cookbooks and, and do my best to, to, you know, try to emulate what was in the cookbooks. Did but, you have an easy bake um, oven as a child? No. Okay. No, no, no. No. <laughs> I, went, I, went, I went straight on to the big oven. There you, you know, go. And I had... I, I had my failures, you know, I had the times where there were uh, cakes that were as dense as, um, uh, hockey, <laughs> just ho- so dense pucks. you would not want to eat them. Oh, yeah. yes, they were pretty bad. <laughs> you know, burned plenty of cookies, burned, you know, lots of bread, that sort of stuff. But, you had your um, L.A. May, L.A. May Clampett uh, baking experiences. Oh, so, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, once I realized that you couldn't play with the ingredients when baking, you have to be very detailed on your ingredients, and you mm-hmm. have to know why something needs to be this moist or this this dry, or you know how, why you have to combine them in certain orders. You know, you learn because baking is kind of almost like a science. It really you is. Have to have yeah. You have and to have uh, the right ratio. So, so I, I got to ask you, where where did you start? Did you start from like some basic recipes that were your mom's or from cookbooks, and then modify them as you went, or uh, you know how did how did you start off uh, uh, getting to, to to get to the point where you are now? Tall House Cookies and the Betty Crocker Cookbook. I got a you Betty know. Crocker cookbook. Uh, oh, from the oh shit, probably early seventies. The old it was my old mom's. ones, yes. Yep. That red and white uh, plaid pattern on the jacket. Yep. And I still I still have that cookbook today. Nice. Yeah. They had a Betty Crocker for kids. I have that one too. Mm. So Yeah, but since since then I started collecting cookbooks and collecting cookie books and finding mm-hmm. cookie books cookie recipes I like, altering ones that I found to make them even more yummy. You know, like the the key lime white chocolate chip cookie. Oh my god! Those I altered from their original standing to make them even more key limey. Those were <laughs> so amazing. Those uh, those were definitely my probably my second favorite out of the cookies you sent uh, last year. And um, uh, yeah, that that was just incredible. Now I have to ask you: Do you always use butter? in all of your cookie recipes or do you will you use shortening in them too or a combination now there are some that need shortening um the molasses crinkle cookies need shortening i never would have guessed that yeah and the um the uh, ginger creams which are kind of like the round gingery ones that were kind of like a cakey ginger those those need shortening too because that's a wartime recipe that came from my mother's mother that was so. almost like a, a lighter, like Pfeffernus kind of cookie. If you're familiar with Pfeffernus, my mom is a big Pfeffernus cookie. It's a, it's a, it's like a ginger cookie that actually uses black pepper. Yeah, the, yeah, but it doesn't have any any pepper in it. But I understand yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. But yeah, so um, but it's but, a it's a wartime recipe. That that's fascinating. I, yes. I, I that's great. Because yeah, butter because the, butter you know, was the, rationed. Yeah. Sugar was rationed. And you actually use water in that cookie too, which is unusual for most cookie recipes, because you, you you need hot water to melt up the the shortening a little bit before okay. you start combining it to give it that cakey type consistency. So, yeah, so um, yeah, those are the only two I actually use shortening in. Everything else is butter, and I use real butter. I try to use organic butter, you know, mm-hmm. and um, 
and just depends on the other recipes and you know the other ingredients like the uh, blueberry lemon drop ones those oh, are yeah. really yummy as well <laughs> and i know i know the key lime ones and the blueberry lemon drop ones are going to john so i'll just have to, to fill in with some other cookies because he said he liked fruit fruit-based cookies so uh yeah citrus uh like yep i'm excited for the key lime pie i can't wait for those to be in my mouth oh they're so um, good <laughs> And now, now uh, do you do you use uh, do you guys grow uh, key limes at your house? We do not have a key lime uh, tree in our house. Um, okay. A while back, a lot of citrus trees in our area ended up getting taken out, and mm. it's hard to get one to, to go in your backyard these days. I don't know. I don't remember if Port St. Lucie lifted their ban or not of having certain citrus trees in your yard. Oh, because so. Su- Susan, Susan's aunts, they, who are regular, they're going to be in Florida in like the next two mm-hmm. weeks, I think, uh, down in, um, oh, uh, Sanibel. Um, they actually they got a key lime. They had the big pool room in Canton, and they actually grow key limes in the pool room. Uh, oh, that's the, the, the plant's done pretty well. But I, I should probably get that recipe and, and share it with them since they can probably use their own key lime in it. So unless it's top secret, and I understand. No, it's not so. top secret. It's actually <laughs> an old. It's an actually an old. Uh, uh, I, re- I forget what catalog I got it out of. It may have been like the the one of the the, the cooking catalogs, like a craft cooking catalog or something. Okay. But I updated it for myself because um, they use like Bisquick in it and a few other things. But I, mm-hmm. I changed it my the recipe for myself. They did not have any key lime in it uh, other than lime peel. Huh. No key lime juice or anything. And I, when I I adjusted it to put the juice in, and that's why you get that nice tart key lime aftertaste which oh, really I know. makes it yummy i know <laughs> and, and that i mean the creaminess of the white chocolate with the um with with that little uh, you know tart smack uh of the key lime is just it, it's it's sublime it really is and i use the good white chocolate too i get either the ghirardelli or the Ooh, uh godiva yeah. chocolate chips Ooh, so the white chocolate yeah. chips. So, <gasps> yeah. Oh, you're killing me here. <laughs> uh, so uh, now I know I, I kind of made you jump all around there um, with, with uh, this stuff. But uh, what what are some what's another signature cookie um, that uh, your your loved ones can count on uh, coming their way? Uh, the chocolate chocolate chip M and M cookies. Ooh. That's another one. You take basically like, um, it's like an old Tall House cookie recipe, but instead of putting nuts in it, I put M&M's. So you have your dark chocolate chocolate chips and your, your, I mean, your semi-sweet chocolate chips and then your M&M's, your dark chocolate M&M's and cocoa powder to make the chocolate portion of the cookie. So it comes out really yummy. (laughs) You know. Um. Uh, well, I'll save it. I'll save it because I have a couple secret. I, I'm I'm known for my chocolate chip cookies, uh. But I and I have a couple fun little twists. But I'll save it for for when it's my time. Um. But uh. But yeah, that it, you know, and I forget what all what all you sent me last year because it seriously was like six, seven, eight varieties. Um, well, I also it, sent you some Danish butter cookies. I think. Um, which I use a cookie uh, press for those, and that's one of the gadgets I love to have around the house. Ooh, oh, so. yeah. Yeah, and, you can use uh, that for a few yeah. different things. Oh, yeah. 
Now, uh, do yeah, you do you uh, venture off and in, in do you do pies or cakes or anything like that? I do a a a, a wonderful uh, apple pie with Macintosh apples. A lot of people won't use them; they think they get too mushy. But I I really enjoy them because I grew mm-hmm. up with them near the orchards in Massachusetts. And um, I make key lime tarts. Um, oh a lot my. of these places will sell. A lot of these places will sell these little phyllo dough cups. They're tiny yes. little cups. They're maybe about an inch in diameter. Mm-hmm. I get a bunch of those. I make my own key lime filling, and then I put them in. I fill the little cup bag, cook them, and then I top them with whipped cream and serve them as an app, like a like a little finger finger dessert. Sure. A and nibble, they go a over nibble. really really well. Yep. And yeah. the key to making key lime pie is make sure you put lime rind, you know, with a microplaner, mm-hmm. microplane your, you know, and get the zest. Put that in your key lime mix because that just pops the flavor really good. Yeah, you want the juice and that zest uh, to really, yeah. really maximize that flavor. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow, that that sounds phenomenal. Um, and uh, it, I can tell. Ca- you- go ahead. I could tell you Miles' dessert. He makes a dessert. Please do. He he takes pound cake, sour cream pound, uh, I think it's sour cream pound cake. Okay. Chops it up in cubes, puts it in a pan, then pours chocolate pudding over the top of it, and then puts a layer of whipped cream over the top. That sounds like something I want to put my... dessert. I want to put my face in that. <laughs> yes. And you can also top it with fresh fruit, too. You know, put strawberries and blueberries. Oh, or, yeah. You know, and it, it comes out really nice. And that's his big go-to dessert. So that's oh, what he that makes. Oh, that sounds lovely. That sounds lovely. So uh, it, it, any anything else uh, of note you want to throw out there before we uh, move to Mr. Kendall? I, I've hugged, hugged the time. So, no, I'm good. But I, no, I enjoy right. talking about baking. I, really I, like I know, and I appreciate the fact that you 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 know you say straight up, and a, a lot of people have kind of been adopting this. Uh, the, you know, baking is a science. I mean, it just is. Yeah. And if you don't have the dedication to do it and do it right, uh, just don't bother doing it. I mean, yeah, I mean, just you can you can if you want to do a box mix and make cupcakes like I did for our Thanksgiving thing here, you know, yeah, go for it. But if you want to do something really special, uh, you have to have the dedication. And, and I will talk about something I did last year in a bit, um, because I followed a recipe to a T and it came out wonderful. Um, but, uh, but John, um, uh, you've talked about some, I think you had a crock pot dessert, you talked about a while ago. Oh, I, I, I don't think I, I attempted that one. I'm not because there, there. I thought was there was a fruit cobbler or something. Yeah, I thought there was some kind of fruit. Yeah, cobbler or yeah. Like that. that I never attempted because. Oh, okay. I, I, uh, I was like, eh. Because you're into- like, <laughs> it's daunting. Uh, I know how you feel. So. <laughs> yeah, um, but usually, uh, there's like. A tag team effort uh, for desserts during the holidays. My uh, mother will, uh, she'll go all out. Like, she'll make my grandmother's uh, sugar cookies. Oh, fantastic. Oh, oh, oh. You can't go wrong with a good sugar cookie. You cannot go wrong with a good sugar cookie. 
Um, and she'll make like chocolate chip cookies and like zucchini chocolate chip cookies. Fantastic. Oh my God. Um, that sounds great. She'll make her own fudge and, uh, her, the one thing that you never hear anymore that she makes that she's perfected is divinity. I, I don't even know what this is. It's a dessert. It's like you bring your, you get your ingredient, your sugar and stuff. Like, I see, I don't even know how she does it, but like, uh, she gets her stuff ready to uh, make candy and she puts in, I think it's a red jello mixture, just the powder or green to make it festive. And uh, you have to spoon it out on a wax sheet of paper um, before it hardens, or else it's you're going to have a bad time. Is this um, a meringue cookie, is what you're talking about? It's not a cookie. It's like a puff. It's like a uh, kind of like a nice ball of tasty sugar. Because <laughs> um, I, I looked I'll, it up. I looked it up. And, I, and it, it, okay, it, it kind of looks like. It's not a meringue. It's 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 almost like a candy, really. Because I'm looking, yeah. it, it has sugar, corn syrup, cold water. No, it has egg whites, so it is kind of like a hard meringue. And vanilla and pecans is the the one I'm seeing. Yeah, she doesn't use uh, pecans. She uses she doesn't use uh, any nuts in it. Okay. Um, I see it so without it, nuts here too. So. Yeah, and that's her thing. Uh, she'll. Uh, um you know, make care packages for, uh, you know, people that, uh, they're, my parents are friends with or that they work with. Um, and then for me, I'll, uh, cheesecakes and, uh, apple pie is something I shine with. Um, what was that? You, know, che- you were telling me about a cheesecake you made, uh, earlier this year, or last year. Oh, that, that sounded yeah, amazing. Oh, uh, last year for my brother, it was um, a uh, blueberry swirl cheesecake. Oh, um, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. What What I did is I did you know like the typical uh, uh, boils and simmer the uh, blueberries on top of the stove of the burner. Uh, no sugar added because it's the natural sugar. Um, mm-hmm. Cornstarch, get that thickened up. Um, then you let it cool down for a bit. Um, and you put... Ow, cat, get off me. <laughs> then cat. you put... Yes, then you put cat in it. No, then you <laughs> uh, put, like... You fill up half of the... Because I made... I. I cheat and use like a pre-made crust. So I put half of the cream cheese mixture in, which is, uh, you know, like a cup of sugar, two eggs and 16 ounces of cream cheese. Mm -hmm. Get that all, uh, mixed together. Oh, and vanilla or, uh, a type of juice. Like I used orange juice once. Mm, Um, and then like half of that, take some of that fruit mixture 
and put it in the cheesecake that's cooled, and then you put the um, put the other the rest of the mixture on top, and then you take a knife, a toothpick, a spoon, a fork, and just swirl it around. You throw it in the oven, you know, uh, 350 for uh, half an hour, 45 minutes. And then you uh, take it out, let it cool, and top it. And when you cut it, that swirl is inside there. Oh, let's see. I've, like, over the past two years, I've done a strawberry swirl. I've done a cherry swirl, a blueberry swirl, a peach swirl. Wow. Um, yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. The the peach one turned out really good. Uh, that one was for my sister. I, uh, she, she did something and to pay her back, I used, uh, my baking skills and, uh, slam a cow to cheesecake together for her. Um, and my apple pie, uh, I, I learned to make, uh, crust in high school. And yeah. that's the recipe I use, and so I just, you know, make the crust. Um, I uh, leave it in the fridge overnight, and then yeah. I uh, heat up some apples, uh, cinnamon, nutmeg, you know, typical, and then I add orange juice or any other kind of, like, citrus juice. Uh, mix it together and throw it in uh, the pie shell. Uh, put the top over it, bake it, and apple pie. I am seeing you in a whole new light now, John Kendall. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm I want a this pie, man. Like, man, man. I, 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 I love I that. that. So fat a cook in high school, and yeah. I I learned at eight years old how to cook, and then um, you know I just over the Years I've just refined some skills or picked new skills up. So now I feel really bad for forgetting to invite you last year. Um, Jerk. <laughs> uh, I will say my my mom is uh, would would be impressed by your cheesecake skills. She she is. I, I, I'm going to say this right now, and, and everybody can hate me for saying this. I like cheesecake, but I don't love cheesecake, right? So uh, I, I, it's it's a little too rich for me. Not, it's not a bad thing, but if I have a piece of cheesecake, I got to split it with somebody because it's just too much. Pie, on the other hand, no problem. Your apple pie, I would eat half of your apple pie and then say, "Are you going to have the other half?" Um, <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, my mom is uh, she uh, years ago uh, actually for our wedding. My mom used to work at a bakery and she baked like authentic um, Scottish um, um, shortbread and a bunch of different shortbread for for our wedding reception. Um, you know, her and her, uh, the partner, Heather, uh, not partner, partner, business partner, Heather, um, uh, she, they, they made a bunch of, uh, shortbread for our wedding, but my mom makes a traditional, uh, shortbread crust for her cheesecakes that is just mind shattering. It's so good. Um, and she, she's done. She hasn't done a cheesecake in a long time, 
Um, uh, I did force her to make a silk, uh, a French silk pie for me last year for Thanksgiving, which was amazing. Um, and uh, but no, but she does the uh, the shortbread crust for it, and she's done. Uh, she used to do pumpkin cheesecake a fair amount before it became a huge thing, where where everybody had pumpkin cheesecake. Um, so I really like that, you know, because it was, you know, I love, you know, I, I love pumpkin pie and, you know, any, you know, before, but seriously, pumpkin this and pumpkin that is just too out of control anymore, kids. I don't like it, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, I, I admire your, your cheese, uh, cheesecake making skills here. It's, it's, it takes a lot of damn time to make a good cheesecake. And it sounds like you've got it down to a science, John. Well, not a, well, yeah, a science. I mean, you know, like last year I, um, it, we got a really bad late winter and, um, my neighbor had to help my, uh, um, had to push my sister out of our, of the parking lot. And so, um, I gave her like a thank you cheesecake that was, um, cherry swirl so god now cherry cherries on cheesecake is my personal favorite so yeah uh i'm a, I'm a cherry pie fan cherry cherry anything really i'm down with susan is the same we, we we both uh bonded over our love for cherries cherry pie and of course you know twin peaks too right michelle mm-hmm. <laughs> um oh yes but uh, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. I know Janet doesn't. Uh, I, I I don't think you you again rely on your family to to end up bringing desserts. But uh, is there any dessert you make yeah. yourself, uh, Janet? Uh, you know. Um, go ahead. If I'm pressed and I have to bring a dessert, I do the no bakes. They're easy. I can't screw them up. So I just do the no bake chocolate with coconut and put a little nuts in there and take them on in and everybody likes them they're all gone so well that's good that if it's an empty plate that's good um but uh now what are what are some desserts that do end up showing up at your house uh around christmas time from your family oh uh my daughter loves to bake bread so she brings different kinds of bread my son loves uh pies so they bring up a bunch of different pies and my other daughter likes uh, uh, the salads. So she'll bring up, like if I'm not going to have the rice salad or, or I'm, I'm running out of time, then she'll bring the rice salad. Okay. So it sounds like it, your, your, your household's more about the savories going on, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Because we can have a pie and nobody will eat it. Really? What about but, what about small nibbly things like cookies and stuff like that? Yeah, they'll get into that. My son especially. Yeah. <laughs> is is there any kind of cook or is there but is there any kind of traditional sweet uh, uh th- that would accompany uh, a traditional dinner from your well, heritage? Well, my mom always made the Danish shortbread cookies. Shortbread but I, I is just, wonderful. I don't have yeah, I don't have the patience for it. So that's okay. I just, I don't make them. You only have patience for seven fish dishes. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yes. So <laughs> I say only sarcastically, very sarcastically. Um, 
Well, that's all right. So, uh, but uh, I'll I'll just uh, run uh, real quick over. Uh, 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 I was talking about chocolate chip cookies. I really like to do the traditional Toll House in, like uh, Michelle said, buy the better chocolate chips, buy the buy the good stuff, buy the Ghirardelli stuff or the Godiva stuff. It's totally worth it in the long run, especially if you're you know using. And I always like to use butter in my uh, chocolate chip cookies, but. Another fun thing to do, and uh, it's if you have candy canes on your tree, take some candy canes, put them in your mortar and pestle, and grind those suckers up into into dust, and mix those in with your chocolate chip cookies around Christmas time. Amazing, amazing! You get this wonderful smooth peppermint taste with the chocolate and everything. Um, and, and it's, it's just incredible. Another thing you can do too. Um, I don't normally have it around, but if you have powdered instant coffee, the instant coffee crystals, whatever Sanka or whatever, mix a little bit, <gasps> bit of that in with your, uh, chocolate chip cookie mix. Um, and it's so great because it gives it a nice chocolate kind of mocha flavor. Uh, and again, just follow the recipe on the, on the on the bag of chocolate chips you buy, or use the Betty Crocker recipe, whatever. But butter, instant coffee. I would never drink instant coffee, <laughs> um, but yeah. it, it is a good flavoring to add a little extra punch on top of everything else you put in there with the regular recipe. Again, you do the recipe as normal. Add crushed up candy canes. Add you know, add the coffee you know se- separately, or do them together. Honestly, I've done them both ways with just candy canes and just instant coffee, but I've done it with both, and it's pretty magical. It's it's a it's a fun little cheat if you don't know how to you know get as creative as Michelle does with with cookies. So, um, and you Actually, can I've heard- go ahead. I forgot to mention, I think I'm going to try to create a new cookie this year, one specifically for Adam, and I forgot exactly what I wrote down, so I'll have to find it. I think like a mint butterscotch cookie is what he was looking for. So. Oh my god, he's not asking for much, is he? So, <laughs> mint butterscotch <laughs> does sound he, amazing. He, he likes the flavors together, so I thought I would make a, you know, he didn't ask me, I thought I would create one oh. myself. Well, there, there's so. a surprise for you there, Adam. So, but yeah, crushed up, <laughs> crushed up candy canes. I hate eating candy canes, but I'll crush them up and use them in a cookie, and it's it's really good. Um, and uh, also, I'll just uh, talk. Oh, oh, yeah. There's a new recipe I want to try. I want to try and do an apple crumble. And normally, I don't like apple crumbles, but I saw somebody make it with shredded apples. And I really want to do this. They just use a grater and grated up Granny Smith apples with it. And to me, I think that that would make a much more even texture uh, with the the brown sugar and everything uh, uh, and butter underneath your your crumble topping. Um, I I really want to try this recipe. Um, uh, Also, I'll, I'll talk briefly about this. I had a really good success last year by making a Yule log cake. Um, I think if you go back to shows from around Christmas time last year uh, on Turn Up the Night, you can probably hear me talking about it at length. But I followed very express, a very you know a tight recipe for making a sponge cake 
and buttercream icing and made a traditional Yule log cake and it came out fantastic. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I was actually able to roll up a cake into a Yule log and make a, a just like a, a stump, <laughs> an edible stump. It was so good. Uh, and uh, I will say this. The only thing I screwed up on it is that don't add the powdered sugar until you're ready to serve it. Because if you put the powdered sugar on, even if, if the, the iced cake is cooled down, you know, you if you put the powdered sugar on and then put it in the fridge, the icing will absorb the powdered sugar. So you don't get that nice yes. snow effect. So, yes. so I screwed up that. And, the, and of course, the only other thing I didn't, I really wanted to make like holly leaves and holly berries out of a shortbread cookie. You know, just make a small batch of cookies and put that on. I didn't didn't get to do that, but it was a really good sponge cake or sponge, as they they call it in uh, in England, jolly old England. But yeah, uh, my, my mom challenged me to make a, a Yule log, and I did, and it came out pretty damn good. So, uh, it, yeah, I remember you talking about that, and you know, I thought that was a pretty neat idea. Yeah, there. I have pictures. I have pictures. Maybe I'll use that picture for the the show pick uh, for this this year. Um, uh, that'll be fun. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So uh, uh, that that's all I have on dessert talk. Uh, I think we should probably break and uh, come back, and we'll do a quick lightning round of uh, fun and uh, easy solutions to uh, kitchen issues such as uh, time savers, space savers, uh, cheats, substitutions, things like that. I've got a a short list of things uh, to share with everybody, and uh, we'll see what everybody else has to say. So we'll be right back with the final segment of this. What was it, John? What were we calling the show again? Cooktacular? Nanza? Cookstravaganza. <laughs> Cookstravaganza 2017 on Indie Media Weekly. Right after this. This is Tim. And this is Joe. We want to wish all of you the happiest of holidays from the Tim Cormall Show. And from IndieMediaWeekly.com. And an important safety tip. Drink responsibly and under no circumstances allow Ted Cruz to drive you home. Because we wouldn't want any of you to be found in the clown car this holiday season. Hi, I'm Tim Cormall, host of The Tim Cormall Show. And I'm Joe Santorsa, co-host and head mechanic of The Clown Car Garage. Each week, our guests join a roundtable discussion of the political news of the week and peek into the GOP circus tent. And of course, no circus is complete without clowns. 
and each week I inspect the clown car to see what obnoxious fumes they have been spreading all around the country. So join us each week. Admission is free, but just one word of caution. If you see the GOP clown car, get out of the way. They're terrible drivers. Hey, Joe, what was that? Uh, I think we just lost another clown car. Tune in for the Tim Coromall Show on Indie Media Weekly Radio, Mondays and Wednesdays at 8.30 a.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly Radio. IndieMediaWeekly.com Extraterrestrial Radio, all the power without the tower. I'm Rick Beatty. And I'm Nick Sadler. And I am Jody Hamilton. We are From the Bunker. So we do a one-hour weekly podcast. Where we get to speak our mind about stuff from a liberal perspective. We will be on Indie Media Weekly Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. We are so excited. If you don't have any right-wing friends, you'll feel at home with us. From the Bunker. With Jody Hamilton. Nick Sadler. And Richard Beatty. On Indie Media Weekly Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. This is metal aficionado Kenny Pick. Every weekday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, it's Gods and Monsters. Gods of Metal and Monsters of Rock, right here on Indie Media Weekly. Brace yourselves for two big hours of hard rock and heavy metal, selected from my own personal music vault. You'll hear classics from the extended family trees of Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, and Kiss, heavy metal standards like Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, and Dio. You'll get a heap and helping of power metal, speed metal, thrash, melodic, Glam, you name it, it's here. Except death metal and new metal. I do not like that stuff. You'll hear guitar virtuosos and shredders from the Leviathan and Shrapnel Records catalogs. Rare gems from the new wave of British heavy metal. Some guilty pleasures in the form of 80s hair metal. And rock and metal from around the globe. Gods and Monsters. Every weekday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. Happy Holidays from Janet Lee and all of us at Southern Progressive Revival. You can find us every Sunday on Indie Media Weekly. Refill your eggnog for you, get you something to eat, drive you out to the middle of nowhere, leave you for dead. We are back with the final segment here of the uh, <laughs> Cooktacular, the 2017 uh, Indie Media Weekly Cooktacular. And uh, we are talking about, in this segment, kitchen gadgets and time savers, space savers, anything uh, 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 of that, uh, you know. Uh, persuasion in this segment and uh, I have a few fun ideas but before I get to them I want to welcome back Janet from uh, Southern Progressive Revival welcome back thank you very much and of course John from Southern Progressive Revival and Mike Check Radio welcome sir thank you sir and last but most certainly not least uh, Michelle from Mike Check Radio as well in Port St. Lucie Florida welcome Hello, hello, and thank you very much. 
All right. So uh, this is where uh, uh, I've really kind of been excited about this part because um, there are things that I have been doing over the last few years uh, that have just been so helpful in the kitchen. And they're the simplest, tiniest little gadgets and and, uh, time savers. Again, space savers, too, because if you're like me, you have limited counter space. Um, limited table space and nobody wants to be washing dishes for hours um, and uh, you know and, and you want to have something handy and easy to grab uh, to, to accomplish a, a job the first thing uh, I want to talk about is uh, a fine grater uh, you, you can get uh, several different handheld kinds of graters i like box graters for if i'm doing a big chunk of cheese or you know uh grating a big onion or something like that that's fine but a lot of times for for what i do um i when i add garlic to something i don't like to dice garlic i don't like to slice garlic i don't like to crush garlic and throw it in i like to grate my garlic uh on a very fine uh hand grater something you can put directly over your pot or your bowl or whatever in you know and add as you go unlike you know like a box grater you you put on a cutting board or a plate or whatever and you know you grate and then you pull it off and you scrape the inside out whatever uh i have a nice little handheld one i think i bought for like two or three dollars from a discount store where it has the the fine uh grating it also has the uh if you flip it over you can slice potatoes or you know make the big slices of whatever with it and and it also has the standard size grating for grating cheese for a salad or whatever but i find myself using that fine grater and i think i even want to get the smaller handheld grater that's just the fine grater because uh, you know seriously you know you grate some garlic on that run some hot water over it brush it off with your washcloth it's done it's clean it's out of the way and then you can grab it for the next thing you need it for i'll use that for shallots i'll use that for carrots um uh, you know because uh, i love adding carrot carrot I, I is is one thing i love finely grating to add to anything especially gravy bases or or stuffing you know just something to get that extra moisture and sweetness in there without having a big hunk of carrot you know even on the even on the the larger grate i don't like seeing that so things like you know like, like i said carrots onion uh shallot uh, uh, uh garlic using that fine grater is great and and plus you don't even have to peel a you know a piece of garlic when you do that because the the garlic skin won't go through that that fine grater and basically what you're left with at the end of grating that clove of garlic is just the husk and a little bit of pulp that wouldn't go through um so so that's something that is perfect to have on hand again it's smaller it's out of the way it's not like a box grater and you know like i said a good hot rinse and a quick scrub and you know you put it in, in the dry side of the sink and grab it when you're moving on to your next thing uh and, and honestly if you're using all the same ingredients if you're using carrot onion garlic whatever in the same you know in your stock or gravy or, or stuffing or whatever um you know don't even rinse it off just use it the next time the carrots will clean off that garlic stank you know <laughs> and and push any anything that you couldn't uh, scrape off from the underside through uh another thing uh i love to have on hand is a 
handheld wire strainer. Uh, there's a, a lot of different ones you can. I found mine for I think three dollars um, uh, at, at the Asian Plaza the, that we go to, or the the Asian Market, the grocery store, Tink Hall we go to. And it, it you know, it's a it's a strainer, it's a wire strainer, like you know, it has a handle on it, like a like a small saucepan, and you know, the the basket size on it is probably smaller than a cereal bowl. And this thing comes in handy for so many things. Like uh, we talked about using stock. Uh, Michelle talked about using the stock from her turkey. Um, if you're if you want to use that for gravy and you want to get those, you know, little chunks of fat and, you know, or maybe vegetables or whatever that comes off, um, you know, you scoop that out, you put it through this wire strainer. Um, you don't have to worry about that going in the gravy. Uh, if you uh, ream an onion, or I'm sorry, ream an onion, <laughs> ream a lemon, rather, uh, you know, ream a lemon, uh, and uh, you don't want the pulp or the seeds or anything in it, pour it through there. You just need a, you know, a can of beans, like for the green bean casserole. Uh, we we talked about. Uh, grab your can of beans, throw the can of beans in there, strain it right out into the sink. You know, shake it around a little bit boom there you go if it's dry you can use it to sift flour uh you know you can use it for so many different things um and and i i cannot recommend having one of these on hand uh you know and again who wants to use a big ass colander in the sink and throw a single can of beans in there you know um you know it it just it's impractical to have that out i mean i don't get my colander out until it's ready to you know until the my potatoes are boiled and that's the last thing i'm doing is mashing potatoes for a meal uh you know so so you know for for smaller jobs you cannot go wrong with a good handheld uh, wire strainer. Uh, I price them on Amazon and eBay. Uh, you can get them from anywhere from three dollars to fifteen dollars, depending on what you want. Another good thing, uh, if if you get one that's that's metal all the way around, um, mine has a plastic handle, so I probably wouldn't use it for this. Um, but you can also use it to to if you're deep frying something in a pot or a pan. Uh, you know if you if you or just you know making hush puppies or you know uh whatever kind of deep fried goodness you have and you don't have a deep fryer but just a pot with oil you can use it for that um that that's another uh plus uh the last thing i'm going to talk about uh gadget wise not really a gadget but um i hate oven mitts i hate pot holders i hate all that stuff of gloves of gloves are the best thing you can get you can get them anywhere from three dollars to like twenty dollars or more if you get really fancy ones um but you know you, you can pick them up super cheap um uh pot holders are too unwieldy you don't have the manipulation of all your fingers with one you know if it's just like a you know the mitten type uh storing them is a big pain in the ass uh but of gloves you know they're they're thinner they're smaller um you know again every finger you can use to grip something i think they're safer and uh i I would you know 
pulling a turkey out in the roasting pan or just even a cookie sheet or anything like that out of the oven the of glove uh, uh to me is is an essential tool especially if you're doing a lot of things uh on on a day that you know i mean because you know some I, if i'm just baking one thing on a cookie sheet or something like that um uh you know i might just grab a tea towel and pull it out throw it on the stovetop fine but if you're doing stuff all day uh you know they're they're, they're thin enough that you can just throw them in a drawer when you're done um but you know oven mitts to me are just a pain in the butt and um i, I will never look back after using the of glove so um and uh and I, I might save my other stuff here but i don't want to take up too much time so um uh, uh let's see uh who were we going to next for uh gadgets uh, anyway well john we'll, we'll just go to you real quick what do you have any uh go-to kitchen gadgets that you you can't live with um mm, for one i well my crock pot obviously that um somebody in the cleveland area generously gifted me that was your christmas bonus ago. a couple of years ago yeah 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 um i mean you know obviously like you know throw chili in there and put the lid on and back to bed o'clock well, uh, didn't it know, have? Didn't it come with a small uh, crock pot too that you could like, you know, leave the gravy in, or leave gravy in to stay warm too? Nope. No, no, nope. oh, didn't have the baby crock pot. Nope, just the just the main event. Main uh, event. <laughs> that, you know, I I use that religiously once a month. You know, like it's getting close to the end of the month. You know, like what do we have in there? Oh, we have ingredients to make chili. Bam. You know, yeah. Uh, I do pre-prep, or I pre-prep, prepare things the night before, and you know, get my onions chopped up. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and just my uh, hamburger browned, and just you know, throw it in the fridge overnight, and then you know, get up like. At 11 or whatever, throw it in the crock pot, you know, six to eight hours early or later, we have chili. Yeah. Oh, another thing that I got to thinking of is a funnel. Oh, God. Yeah. I have like three or four sizes of funnels. Like, I, I didn't know how much I would use a funnel until um i uh was given one Mm -hmm. and then i'm like wow if you make if you make you know lemonade in a container that has you know just a small little mouth you know instead of like trying to figure out what you do you know you just throw it in and it's like hey you know this works um you know i've i got it like two years ago when we first moved in to the apartment and i've used it to make lemonade um you know mostly just lemonade i mean well i use mine uh, for salad dressing because you know i'll I'll reuse an old salad dressing bottle or you know a glass bottle that that you know that fits the bill and i'll make you know my own homemade whatever i i I, that was my big goal a year or two ago was to never buy salad dressing again (laughs) and make all my own and i figured out how to make like you know six of the most popular salad dressings and 
yeah, the funnel, uh, I couldn't do without that. Yeah, and to kind of, um, to kind of piggyback off of that, an old glass jar, like, you get pickles, you know, Mm -hmm. you run out of pickle juice, you know, put it together in, you know, one of the glass jars to save it for Janet's potato salad recipe. Bingo. And that's, that's what I use to make my rub. I'll put my uh, dry ingredients in there and I'll mix it up, you know, in that mm-hmm. glass jar and it keeps, um, you know, like mason jars. That's what I put, um, you know, that's, I, you, I'll brew coffee and I'm a huge fan of cold coffee. So I'll just put it in, you know, this mason jar, throw it in the fridge, you know, next day, you know, I have coffee um you need to make slurry you need to uh make slurry for uh you know thickening thickening up gravies or whatever yeah you know put your milk and cornstarch in a jar shake it up bam you know it's it's one of those things like it's like i said you know it's reusable i mean you know make pickled eggs put them in you know, like the pickle jar, it's, it's got like a billion and one uses that I've, you know, I've been exploring over the last, you know, couple years. Nice. Nice. Oh, and I, I got to impress, um, on everybody, a wide variety of rubber, rubber spatulas too, from tiny to big. Uh, oh yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, you need those. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, if you can, if you can afford it, um, get the ones from. Um, oh man, what's the what's that company, Michelle? They have parties for it and stuff. Uh, Baker's Choice. Oh, that I wouldn't oh, know. I don't no, do any don't of those. Know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't either. I'll, but I'll is it Pampered Chef? One. Pampered Chef. That's the one. That's yes. the one. Boom! Got so. him. Yep. But Michelle, what were you saying? Oxo makes some good ones too. Mm. But so, John, did you have any more uh, uh, kitchen tips or or, or uh, uh, gadget tips? Or uh, we another one that I kind of use occasionally is um, my uh, mini food processor. It's you know a small mm. one, just a blade. You know uh, yeah. when I make chili, you know, or um, when I make my own tomato sauce. I just cut or quarter my tomatoes, uh, put it in, you know, (laughs) and, you know, put it in my uh, skillet and, you know, warm it up. Uh, I usually put the, uh, I use an Italian seasoning blend and a little bit of sugar and put it in my mini food processor. And, you know, so it's, you know, it's already mixed up, you know get it warmed up and boom bob's your uncle nice <laughs> I, I i got one of those little box choppers with the the little hinged lid that comes down in dice's stuff um uh i i got it for like 12 bucks off of ebay a while ago i use it a couple times now for chili and it, it it's nice it, it makes a nice even chopping thing but i really want one of those ones the the that you just put over something on the cutting board and use the plunger with the blade i really really want to get one of those i, I i've been lazy and not uh found one um but uh, uh michelle 
What do you have for some uh, essential kitchen gadgets that you can't live without, for especially for big meals? Well, for me, uh, one of the most important ones is a really good quality stand mixer. Yeah. Now, because, see, I do a lot of baking, but you can mm-hmm. do a lot of other things with them, too. Um, if you get a good one, you can even get attachments to make homemade pasta. You know, they have shredder attachments. That thing can be an all-around, you know, single-purpose, mm-hmm. you know, use item. But you definitely, when you're baking, you need the spatula, uh, you, uh, the, the paddle attachment, the, um, the bread hook. And then you're just gen- generic whisk because you're going to oh, use yeah. at least two of those, if not all three sometimes. Uh, the bread hook is amazing when you want to make your own bread dough or when you want to make pizza, you know, make your own pizza dough. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a must have. So I have a really nice quality KitchenAid stand mixer. So. Yeah. And I'll, I'll yeah, also that's... say this for, for making gravy. I'll, I'll, I'll let, uh, uh, go back to you in a second here. But for making gravy... You want a heavy bottom saucepan, you know, stainless steel, whatever it is. You want a heavy bottom saucepan, not a nonstick, a regular old metal saucepan, and a whisk. And a just go- pay attention to it. Good whisk, and just yep. yeah, just mother that gravy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because you start your roux in there, you put your liquids in, whether it's you know if you're doing a broth based or a milk based or whatever based, uh, you know, drippings based uh, gravy. You will never have a lump in your gravy if you have a nice heavy base um, in that bowl or in that saucepan and a whisk. You can kill every lump in that gravy. And if you still have lumps, use your hand strainer and strain them out. (laughs) Yes. um, Yes. But, uh, yeah, a whisk will work wonders uh, on that. And I'll talk more about that uh, 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 at the tail end. But, Michelle, uh, any other uh, kitchen essentials that we didn't cover that you got to have? I have two more. I don't know if you covered a mandolin. I think we talked about a bunch of chopping things, briefly, things, well, like grater, but yeah, a mandolin's a little yeah. different. Yeah. Yes, yes, and I, I need a good mandolin. I really, I, yes. I've been looking at these, and I, I see what people do with potatoes on them, and I want to do that. Yeah, I have an old one that I absolutely love, and the uh, the, the cutting blades slide in and out. And it has some plastic uh, 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 attachments as well, which mm-hmm. will do wonderful uh, things for one if you want to make potato chips. You know, because yeah. it has several different thicknesses because of the pattern on them. It's almost kind of like a you know, deli slicer, you know, but non-mechanical. Right. It's a mandolin's an all-purpose thing. It can yeah. do just about anything. It makes French fries. It can, you know, it can julienne things, you know. And if you get a good one with a good guard on it, so that you're using the guard instead of your hand, you don't risk mm-hmm. taking off, you know, the first, ha- you know, half <laughs> inch of flesh off your fingers, you yes. know, right down to the knuckle. That would be bad. Uh-huh. Um, and my third one is it's kind of a somewhat of a specialty item although you can use it in several different ways is a wire cheese cutter oh okay yeah yeah you need that when you want to make slices of cheese um cutting cheese a lot of cheeses with a knife is uh sacrilege (laughs) yeah because the you know, especially if the cheese happens to be a little softer than normal and you don't have time to put it back in the fridge. A wire cheese cutter 
makes it so such a clean slice, does it so quickly and so beautifully. You don't you have to worry about the cheese getting mushed all out of shape. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also use it on butter. You know, if the butter is, yeah, you know, I've seen you know, that, and no. it and it can be a little cleaner cut than a knife as well. Um, but a wire cheese cutter is invaluable if you eat any amount of cheese that's not like prepackaged slices or anything like that. Yeah, and I and do like, a lot of that. Yeah, and like you said, you you do a lot of you know cheese and meat platters and uh, around the holidays. Yes. So uh, that that definitely sounds essential. It is. It's. But I was you know I was born in in, in you know and 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 lived the first nine ten years of my life in a cheese store. So my parents owned a, a gourmet <laughs> cheese store up in nice. up in Massachusetts. So yeah. So I I, I grew up around this. cheese. So I'm a little bit of a cheese snob. Oh, I have a picture of the, the store. It looks like one big giant piece of Swiss cheese that has oh. a wedge cut out of it. And those nice. are the windows and the doors. And there's a six foot tall mouse on top. And he was nice. called Chunky. He was called Chunky the Cheese House Mouse. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'll have to send yes. you a picture of Grandpa's cheese barn. Who that's uh. Uh, uh, I don't know, about an hour away from our house. So. Yeah, but if you look it up, you can actually Google it. If you Google che- uh, the cheese house in Vermont, you will see what the store looks like. Because my grandfather owned the franchise, so my parents had one in Massachusetts. There was one in Vermont. I think there was one in New York. I'm looking at it right now, and it is magnificent. Yes. <laughs> That's Isn't great. It? And- so that's where I grew up. So I grew up around cheeses and, and wines, you know, and, and fancy, you know, like, you know, escargot, things you would serve alongside mm-hmm. a cheese and, you know, and an amazing candy section. This place would get cheese from Vermont uh, cheesemakers that were wheels of cheese. And I'm talking, oh, wow. you know, 20 to 50 pound wheels of cheese. And my mother had this knife that I kid you not was almost two feet long, had a wooden handle at one end and a wooden block on the other, and she would cut into those blocks of cheese, wow. you know, wheels of cheese while they were on the counter. People would come by. We had, like, little cheese samples out there. One guy actually tried to take a piece of the cheese that was crumbling off the block as my mother was cutting it, and all she had to do was just raise that knife. I'm sure he that he probably thought twice. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I'm looking at I'm looking at the sign. It says Vermont maple syrup, t-shirts. Then it says jams. And when I read jams, I was thinking, you mean like the 80s beach shorts? Oh, no, no. <laughs> jams as in jelly jams. Uh, so fruit yeah. jams. So <laughs> and then it says cheese fudge and gifts as well. Um, yeah, it, it, it nice. kind of morphed over the years. It became yeah. more of like a country store and not so kitschy. Yeah, but we, I love growing up in that big slice of, and big hunk of cheese. <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right. Uh, 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 any other uh, kitchen gadgets uh, from you, Michelle, before we get to Janet? That I can think of. You guys covered most of the ones I think. Oh, a good pair of cut-resistant uh, gloves is, too, is good, too. Oh, yeah. Cut-resistant gloves. And, of course, like we talked earlier, kitchen scissors, yes. kitchen scissors, kitchen scissors. Yes. Kitchen scissors yes. for scallions, for cooked bacon if you want nice even cuts on your bacon uh, or Cutting kitchen bird bones. kitchen yeah uh, kitchen scissors for raw bacon because it's so hard to cut raw bacon with a knife yep, so it's yeah uh but janet uh, uh we're, we're we're back to you um what what is something you cannot live without a, a gadget a device um i use um i have rheumatoid arthritis so 
I love my Black & Decker jar opener. And uh, I don't have any wrists that hurt when I use it. Um, the other thing that I think you have to have some really good parry knives. Your knives have got to be sharp and yes. um, oh, yeah. in decent shape. And I don't chintz on those things. Mm-hmm. Those. And then I also have cutting. I don't like the wooden cutting boards because, to me, it's just bacteria waiting to grow. So um, <laughs> I found <laughs> placemats that you can cut, and it's like vegetable. There's four different ones. So I only cut meat on the meat one. And they're, the greens are your vegetables. The yellow, I think, is a fruit, and I can't remember the other one. Cheese? Um, and I'm not really sure. But when you get done, you just slide it into the water because I always do dishes as I cook. Mm-hmm. So that when we're I'm done with the meal... Or yeah. when we're done with them, and then I have fresh water, and everybody washes their plate. We we so try to do no that too. Dishes. Yeah, so those are my main things. Well, that's a, that that's fascinating. So you're you're actually keeping it kosher with the with that too. With if if you have a cutting uh, mat for uh, every food item, interesting. Yeah, um, and I try really hard to have the the same knife. Like if I'm going to use cut meat, raw meat. I like mm-hmm. to use the same knife. Uh, oh, uh, Michelle, you you actually know what the designation is. You you have those same mats. Uh, yes, I ahead. do. Um, I use them. I use the uh, the yellow one, or sometimes it's an orange one for chicken. I use the green one for veggies, the red one for meat, and then the blue one for fish. Makes sense. Yes, and it cleans up. They clean up real nice. I love them. Oh, oh very I love nice. them too. Yes. I do have a, uh, I have a wooden cutting board, but I only use it for vegetables and fruit. I don't use it for meat. I don't use it for cheese. I don't use it for any animal products. I only use it for vegetables, and uh, and it gets a nice hot bath every time I'm done using it. It was Susan's mother's too. So, do you um, oil it? Um, uh, I have not in a while, but thank you for the reminder. Yes, you uh, should. So, uh, but it, it never sits in water, though. So, uh, right, just like my but good wood, wooden spoons. It yes. still helps repel stuff that might get splashed mm-hmm. onto it. Yeah, or you know, any any really bad stains. It yeah. does help out a lot. All right, so looks like we're, we're uh, g- uh, and Janet. Unless you have anything else, I think we'll get into lightning around for quick substitutions. Nope, I have nothing else. All right, um, I just have a, a couple things I want to throw out for everybody. Um, uh, if you have anybody in your family or your friends who are gluten-free and you want to try and maximize their options, especially for uh, for gravy, um, I am a huge fan of chickpea flour. Uh, recently, I've been using... Um, uh, I ran out of chickpea flour, but I found... Uh, Bob's Red Mill. Um, um, uh, we have a, quite a few stores in our area that carries Bob's Red Mill, um, and they have a garbanzo bean flour, and they also have a garbanzo fava bean flour, which is really good for for thickening gravies and things like that, making your roux. Um, and, yes. and the reason why I love this stuff is because. A lot of times when you make a roux and you use regular flour, 
it's like you're like you know i taste that flower it kind of tastes almost like mushroom soup or something like that you know campbell's mushroom Mm -hmm. soup but the 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 bob's red mill garbanzo bean flour or garbanzo fava bean flour it has i guess for lack of a better term kind of a meaty flavor uh you know a, a more hearty flavor and it thickens just as well it's it's a one-to-one ratio uh you know versus regular flour maybe use a little bit more but not much not much i just you know i i eyeball it when i make a roux i throw in a big chunk of butter in you know two or three uh big you know soup spoons full of flour and and make that and then you know then i add my milk or uh stock or whatever thickens up great it's fantastic um i honestly i i love using it and not just because of the gluten-free thing but because it just has a better flavor than regular uh you know baking flour um that's something you can use also uh if you want to make a vegetarian gravy or use vegetarian seasoning where you would use like a chicken stock or or vegetable stock or something like that i now i uh, I found wildly different prices for this stuff online, but I pick it up for a dollar a box and it has, I think six packets in each one. It's like one ounce box in each one. It's it's almost like a, a ramen noodle seasoning packet inside, except it's like a paper, uh, pouch like you know yeast or something like that but uh it's called g washington golden broth or g washington brown brown broth um i did find a couple places online that are selling it for like a buck 75 a box but i i find it for a dollar at my local store if you have a big grocery store and in you know go in where you'd find the the weilers you know you know cubes in the little plastic can or whatever you know the the soup stock stuff uh you know just look for a a, it's like a rectangular box um they haven't changed their logo for like 20 years on this stuff but it's called g washington golden broth or brown broth it's great i made a vegetarian gravy for Thanksgiving with that um also with and it was a vegetarian gluten-free dress or or not dressing but a, a gravy uh with the bob's red mill as well also um another thing to have on hand if you run out of milk always have lots of sour cream on hand because you can water down sour cream with vegetable stock chicken stock whatever you want if you if you used up too much milk in one thing or another you can always grab that and mix it in and you know um uh for for anything or you know have sour cream around add a little extra kick to something like uh green bean casserole or uh you know and i always put uh sour cream and milk in my mashed potatoes um you can't go wrong you can't go wrong at all so uh anyway uh again lightning round so uh, uh john do you have any uh uh quick uh fixes or uh substitutions in the kitchen you like uh, not well i mean you know i'm i'm kind of like really particular about having anything having everything before i actually undertake whatever yeah. i'm doing so uh plan ahead i guess 
hey, that's not bad advice at all. So, <laughs> uh, Michelle, any any uh, uh, fun little substitutions or uh, uh, emergency fixes that you can uh, throw anybody's way? Well, I usually don't do, uh, you know, like like John. I, I usually don't do a lot of emergency things because um, I usually have everything on on hand or I've grocery shop for it. Mm-hmm. I make really extensive lists. Oh yeah. Um, I have done in the past for people who don't like eggs and things, you know, just because of the the ethical thing about eggs, you know, use applesauce before to substitute as the binder for it. Okay. I mean, that works sometimes, depending on what you're cooking. Um, and for the most part, as, as I said, I usually usually don't do a lot of substitutions. Um, yeah. However, I have used yogurt to make dip before, and people have not noticed. So well, that there works you great go. too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a rule, I'm I'm I, I Susan can attest that I over shop for most things but there has been that rare occasion that you know i've needed something and uh you know uh i've been able to i've been able to fudge it so uh, uh janet and i'm sorry i i guess i we didn't even talk about um substitutions for dietary constraints or anything like that but uh but janet uh anything uh uh you have for last minute substitutions or whatnot um, I just use different kinds of uh, binders that are legal for my type of diet, which is that quinos and hickory. Quinoa? What? Quinoa and what's the other one that I use? I forget how to pronounce that all the time. But I use that kind of stuff, and it works really well, and I don't have to use white flour that way. Oh, like, oh like okay. Jicama? Huh? Are you talking jicama? Uh, no, it's no. a Q. This qu- okay. Qu- That's quinoa. Qu- qu- no, it's two two words. Oh, okay. The same word. Qua, qua or <laughs> I know what you're talking about, and I, I I can't remember what it is. But you use quinoa flour, right? Is I, that what you're saying? I don't even use flour. I use the Japanese um, uh, breadcrumb type thing. It's I can't panko. You know, it has panko. I use that, and then I also use the little tiny couscous that's what they are couscous, couscous. There you go. There and you go. can get them in different flavors like my family loves a hickory nut type stuff so nice. i use that a lot and nice. you don't have to use flour very good cool. well i'll tell you what i think we're at the bottom of uh well we, we we we've done a good job tonight we've covered a lot of bases um and I appreciate all of you being here tonight. And hopefully we'll have some supplemental material uh, between segments from our good friends Rain and Bob, who were part of last year's um, Food-tacular. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think we'll, we'll just go to uh, some quick parting shots, uh, some season's greetings from everybody. And um, be sure to greet your seasonings as well uh, when... <laughs> You put them in the food. Uh, but, uh, Janet, uh, uh, wonderful to have you back on again, and uh, I wish you uh, the happiest of holidays. Uh, what do you have uh, at the end of the show here? I am very happy to be here, and it was a lot of fun. I enjoy this. And um, take a listen to Southern Progressive Revival if you haven't listened to us before, and have a happy holiday. 
There you go. 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern every Sunday right here on Indie Media Weekly Southern Progressive Revival. And uh, Michelle, first timer for the uh, the food-tacular, uh, food bonanza, whatever have it, <laughs> whatever whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, and I loved, loved uh, talking cookies and turkey with you tonight. And, you know, everything in general. Those are just standing out in my brain right now. Your meticulous turkey recipe that's been perfect for eight years and uh, your multiple cookie recipes. Fantastic stuff. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I really enjoyed it, too. You know, uh, food, food is a favorite thing of mine, as you can see from my pictures over the years. <laughs> oh, um, now. But uh, that's just part of life, and I do enjoy cooking. You know, it, it's one of the few things that you can really personalize and really, you know, it's and it, it's got a lot of heart in it. And that mm-hmm. means a lot sometimes, especially in the holidays the way they are nowadays. Um, yeah. I just want everybody to have a safe and happy holiday, however you celebrate it. You know, just remember there are people out there that love you and um, that, you know, you love. And um, sometimes we may not see eye to eye with them, but we really, really need to keep together, you know, and, and just show that love. Because, you know, sometimes love can work miracles. And don't forget um, Miles, myself. Uh, John and Adam on Mike Check Radio on Saturdays, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. We're always happy to listen, uh, see you in chat, and hopefully we're talking about stuff that you're interested in. Thank yes, you very much. Right here, uh, Indie Media Weekly. And, of course, uh, I also uh, show up on that program uh, most weeks. Oh, oh yes, I'm sorry. A L- yes. little <laughs> difficult through the holidays right now, but no, no, it's okay. It's okay. You you guys are the glue that holds everything together. Uh, I'm the uh, I'm the I'm the glitter that sometimes lands on the glue. So <laughs> I guess that I, that sounds weird and horrible. <laughs> you're you are the rock to our glam. There we go. Thank you. Uh, and John Kendall, the Lost Boy. We forgot about him last year, but he, he but he we, we we picked him up, we dusted him off, and uh, got him here for what what's it called again, John? Uh, the food stravaganza. Food stravaganza. I thought it was food tacular. Is it food stravaganza now? No, it's it's always been food stravaganza. Oh. I just wasn't going to correct you. Okay, thank okay. you. <laughs> that, that's okay. I thought it was the cooking palooza. So <laughs> I thought it was a food of baloo. So, <laughs> all right, uh, John, uh, uh, thank you uh, once again. Of course, uh, check out John on both Mike Check Radio and Southern Progressive Revival uh, Saturday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern and Sunday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, respectively, on Indie Media Weekly. What do you have? Season's greetings for the folks out there. Um, for season season's greetings, I'm I'm gonna cover all my bases instead of going happy holidays. Merry Christmas, uh, glorious Saturnalia, happy Kwanzaa. Um, let's see, happy Hanukkah, uh, Mazel Tov. <laughs> um, Festivus you know, for the rest of us. I yeah, just scared my ca- I, I just scared my you know, cats. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot Festivus, but um, like you know, just enjoy the time with your family. You know, like Michelle said, even if uh, you know y'all can't uh, agree on stuff, hug it out. 
and yeah, and, hug and it all, out and eat food. You know, they're you know they're your family, uh, and y'all can agree on you know that I make the best food. You know, see, there so. you go. All right, uh, and uh, I really don't have anything else to add except thank you, Janet. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, John. Uh, it was a great show, and uh, everybody, happy Hanukkah, Chris Monzadon. We'll see you next year. This is Kenny Pick from Turn Up the Night, and I want to wish every one of you a happy Hanukkah Monzadon. Isn't that right, Suze? Yes, happy Hanukkah Monzadon. Hey, and don't you worry, all of our cats are working on presents for you right now. The Doctor, Timby, and Jeliza Rose are all chewing on tinsel at this very moment, working on a special surprise for all of you. That's right, Ken, and it wouldn't be the holidays without tinsel hanging out of all of our cats' butts. <laughs> So true. Happy holidays from Indie Media Weekly.